note the lack of a comedy sketch to begin this. Hello again, and welcome to the mana pool. I don't get it. <laughs> this is episode 301 of... I demand a recount. <laughs> I demand a refund. I demand a re-imagining? Relapse. A relapse. <laughs> no, I don't want one of those. <laughs> that would clearly be the worst. Right. So this, so this is episode three something something. We don't even, at this point we don't even keep track anymore, right? We've just reached that threshold where it's just episode whatever. What? I don't know, I'm pretty sure it's always been just episode whatever. <laughs> oh no, it's been episode I'm not really sure, episode hell I don't know. So yeah, now it's episode whatever. But, right. 301 of the Mana Pool brought to you by Cardshark.com, better way to buy and sell collectible card games, as always. And I am Chewy the lead dork. And with me, as always, are some other dorks. Dorks! What, what's your name again? My name is Brian. I'm the lead rambler. I tend to talk a lot. Um, I, sometimes I interrupt. Uh, Chelsea isn't here today, so there will be no interrupting Chelsea. So maybe I'll have to be interrupting Chelsea. No, but I can't be interrupting Chelsea, because she's not here to... Um, so, who else is here? I'm Mike. I'm the rules guy and the game lore guy. And now I'll interrupt. Okay. There you go. <laughs> nice. I was I was waiting for it. I, I figured you were. So I didn't I, know how long to pause or not pause or what. No, no just keep going. Okay. I'll um. Let you... <laughs> <laughs> um. That is correct. Thank goodness. Okay then. Uh, Dirk is sadly not with us this week due to being buried under grad school work, which happens, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, it's just the three of us, we're going to soldier on, as we usually do when Dirk is buried under grad school work. So, meh. Soldier, soldier, soldier. Funny I should mention that, but not yet. So. Mobilization. Mobilization. I hear you guys did something last weekend. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> to a certain extent. We, we did, we did. For a certain things. value of something. Yeah. I, I like to think that I do things most of the time. Um. But we did, in fact, do something magic-related last weekend, if that's what you're referring to. What? Yeah. First time in a little while. Well, what'd you do? You're so we, uh, I know that we, I had mentioned on the show once or twice. Why? I don't, actually don't know how much we did get into this, but, uh, I went to the Star City Classic Open in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Mike came with me, and, um, I only say it that way because I kind of talked him into going and, but he said, sure. And about two or three weeks before the event, I was like, so what are you going to play? And he didn't know yet. So he built a mazes in deck that night and the next morning and then went out and won game day with it. So we're like, yeah, that seems pretty good. So, and I was playing a red green monsters, monstrous deck. Um, and that capitalized on, um, Stormdress Dragon and Ember Swallower in particular. Had Geyer Sage because as we talked about on the show, one of the things I noticed was that all of the monstrous creatures, even when you just cast them, have fairly high stats. So literally every creature in my deck, including the Seder token that Xenagos creates, except for Elvish Mystic, would evolve Geyer Sage. So it was just a matter of getting one out and, and letting the good times roll, so to speak. So... We drove over there and we got there in time to register and play, start a, what we hoped would be a quick game of EDH, but they was were, that before uh, or after you got lost in the parking deck? 
We got lost in the parking deck on the way leaving. So oh, darn. Spoiler we, alert. We, we did not find the parking deck we normally park at in Charlotte that only charges between, what, 5 and $7 for the day. Yeah. We ended up paying $15 for parking. It was stupid. Because yeah. the, the most visible sign from from outside the entrance was one that said $6 after hours parking. So we're like, oh. Maybe that means they use the after hours rate on weekends. Yeah. And then we pull up closer and then we see another sign way inside the entrance. Like at that, the booth. Yeah, like at the booth that explains the full rate structure and we're like, Oh no. And it well, was it was three dollars for the first half an hour and there was a car behind us. So if I pulled a ticket and left, it would have charged us three dollars. So we just said screw it. And I thought maybe we won't be there long enough to pay fifteen dollars, but we paid fifteen dollars. So yeah. take that, Charlotte. Uh. <laughs> uh, we had enough time to kind of start an EDH game really quick. Um, the day before, spoiler: the day before, uh, Mike had picked up one copy of each of the new Commander products uh, that he had pre-ordered, and I went to two Targets and a Walmart before. Well, a Target and then a Walmart, and then at the second Target, I found one of each. Uh, I only bought. Um, the Grixis one and the Bant one, and I had made a couple of modifications to them. So we sat down and played for a little bit, didn't quite reach a conclusion, and we were off to round one. So who do you want, whose day do you want to hear about first, or do you want us to go, like, together round by round? Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, in round one, I uh, I played against Austin, and he was playing a mono-green devotion deck, and... It was kind of an interesting one. It, it wasn't the same mono green devotion deck that you've seen everywhere. I'm pretty sure most of those don't run Reverend Hunter, uh, because he doesn't do anything to ramp your mana. Uh, but he is great once you've got a substantial, uh, devotion count. And so he ended up going first and he just got off to a really fast start. He started laying down the Tuskers, the 33s for two mana. I was like, okay. He, he played like a, he played a turn to, uh, Burning Tree Emissary and said go. And I'm like, ah, oh, the mana's gone. I hated to see it go even for him. But then he played a Tusker and a, a um, the Shrine to Nyx, the Nykthos. And I was like, oh. And then, um, in my notes, I just have, uh, eventually he played out a Reverend Hunter and it was an 8-8. And then he tapped another three and played another Reverend Hunter, which was a 9-9. And I'm like, yeah, nothing in my deck gets that big. And he just pounded me down. Um, game two was a little more interesting. Uh, he started off being pretty aggressive, and I was actually trading some of my guys because I thought my – I've only got one copy of Nykthos in my deck. It's just more of a, hey, it's a bonus if it gets off. But when he's attacking me with um, – he literally I, – I went first – and played a turn two Gyre Sage. And then um, he plays on his turn two Burning Tree Emissary into a Burning Tree Emissary into another guy that wasn't a Burning Tree Emissary. But it, it had a – try to remember what it was. But it, was, it wasn't it was a Tusker, but it didn't really matter. It was like five power worth of stuff. No, I think it was two Burning Trees into, a, uh, into an Elvish Mystic. And I'm like, that's pretty good. And then on my turn, I um, – Played a Burning Tree Emissary, evolved my guy, and I had already also played an Elvish Mystic, so tap the, the Mystic and the Gyre Sage and my three lands, play a dragon. 
I also get four four power in him, but I can swing right away. And I evolve my Gyre Sage again. The next turn, he attacked with his two emissaries. I blocked with my emissary because, like I said, I didn't really care so much. It had done its job of evolving my guy. And that got his count a little lower, and he tapped out to play an Arbor Colossus. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, I really don't want him to be able to evolve that. So I'm looking at it. I play my Shockland untapped, and I swing in with my Dragon, and he blocked with the Arbor Colossus. And I, uh, and I monstrous it to kill his guy. And that was really important, because if he had evolved it, you know, the Arbor Colossus wouldn't. Not evolve, but when it monstrous is, it swaps something out of the sky. Yeah. So that I luckily had another dragon in hand, but that still, I, I then would have had to deal with this nine nine giant. So that was the turning point in that game, and um, he, I just kind of took over from there. Game three, Mike saw this game or most of it. I saw. I think I saw a good deal of the previous one I, too. I'm not sure. Oh, so so you saw this whole thing? Um, yeah, I, I lost really fast first round. This. <laughs> this. Last game was one of the most interesting games of of um, constructive competitive magic I have ever played. Partially because I was on the back foot for a fair amount of it, thanks to a fairly early Polychronos, and I had out um, a Geyer Sage and some uh, something else, something else small. Maybe never um, mind. I walked up during this game, and I had I had just tapped out to play a. Um, as Zenigos, and I had made a Seder token rather than making mana, which I, I I only had out the Elvish Mystic, so it only would have been one mana. And he plays a Polychronos. And I'm looking at my hand. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do that can possibly hold this off because I'm really worried about what's about to happen. I've got a Magma Jet in my hand, and I've noticed that he seems a little light on land this game. So I made a a deliberate decision to go ahead and burn my uh magma jet on his elvish mystic elvish mystic um to keep his mana low and that way hopefully he would only be able to turn his polychronos into a six six and eat my elf versus eat something bigger and then I can eventually get back into it and start, you know. I can deal with a 6-6 over time. And I can't tell you every single step of this game, but there were numerous occasions where I had different things to do and I was barely, barely hanging on. Um, and I, I, the basic strategy I took was burning out his elves every single chance I could get, playing a, um, an ember swallower and activating the monstrous the next turn, even though he had a fairly large, um, Reverend Hunter once again, because again, I, he had managed to play a couple more lands, keep him really low on that, and I eventually just, when I, I finally just started to draw really well, got into my, um, who's the green plane, green red planeswalker, not Zenigos, the, uh, the, Domri Rod, uh, started hitting some creatures, and I ultimated, um, I, I hit the limit break for Zenigos, and that uh, one of the uh, it hit like a Polychronos, not a Polychronos, a um, yeah, oh. no, um, the god, the red god, and two other creatures, and I was well over uh, devotion at that point, well over five devotion, and he asked a judge about it, and the judge clarified, yes, you know, he does see them come into play, and it was at that point it was just like run him over for a lot, 
So it was a it was a really intense game and it was very enjoyable. And there were several times where I think I had the opportunity to just lose and I just barely managed to hang in there and win. So yes. I will not go into this much detail in my next round because they were not actually this interesting. <laughs> During that whole turn when you were deliberating on whether to go ahead and use the mantras on the Ember Swallower, it was so hard not to – I'm being honest when I say it was so hard to keep myself from saying out loud, do it, do it. <laughs> I just had to consider – is was that the right play to do because I could have done that or I could have played something else and really did I want to tap out and did I want to do it automatically or wait for his turn because if I waited for his turn, even though that sounds like the right move to do with an instant speed ability, he might yeah, have something he could use he'll the have mana priority for. after he plays his land. So. Exactly. Or even if I let him untap and get to his upkeep, you know, he may have an instant or or something else to do. So that that was a really hard turn for me, so but it was worth it. So how did your round one go? Um, my round one was against uh, Chris, and he was playing he was playing a very fast version of a, of a Red Deck Wins Devotion deck. And um, uh, so, yeah, he, he won the die roll, so he got to play first in game one, which means I pretty much ended up throwing the game away before he even knew what I was playing. Like I, th- I think I had he had just seen me play three gates and didn't actually know what I was up to by the time I lost. You know, I started with um, he started with a Rectos Cackler. Uh, he hit a Burning Tree emissary, and I can't remember if it played a Fire Fist Striker if the or if it showed up the next turn. But yeah, and then you know, Boros Regener, blah blah blah, stuff happens. Um, yeah, and and the and the second game. Ended about as quickly, uh, with the help of a fanatic of Mogus. And something happened that I had never thought about. But when I real, but when I saw it happen, it was really cool. It's like Burning Tree Emissary. When you play it, it gives you, it gives you two mana symbols and the mana to activate a Nykthos. Yep. Uh. Yeah, I hadn't seen that happen before and I'd never really thought about it before. But it was, re- when I saw it, I was like, wow. <laughs> and it add, and it you know those two mana symbols toward your devotion is pretty huge. Uh-huh. I mean, Burning so. Tree Emissary was already really good, and yeah. now it's really, 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 really good. So yeah, that was that really wasn't very interesting. Unfortunately, yeah. I just lost. So then we get to round two, and I'm playing against. And unfortunately, I didn't write down everyone's name, but I played against an opponent. He was very nice. Uh, everyone I played against was a, was. Great. If you go to uh, planeswalkerpoints.com, it lists your opponent's names. Okay. I'll, I'll check that in a sec. Uh, but I was a little confused when we started to play because um, he had won the die roll, and, and he started off by playing. He really agonized over his keep. And I believe he – I didn't have a notice about this, but I believe he went to six and he kept. And he played a tapped um, overgrown tomb. And I was like, hmm, okay, I'm not sure. I – you know, I, I – I had tried to make sure I was proficient with what was going on in standard at this point, and I wasn't sure where he was going with that. Was it maybe like a, a, a mono black with a splash or something? Turned out he was playing Jund, which if you told someone a couple months ago that they were playing Jund, that would be of course. And now with the loss, and I was talking to Mike about this, the real thing that Jund lost more than anything else is Farseek. 
because Farseek helped their mana so much, and he was clearly having some mana issues. But I got off to a fairly fast start. I was going along really, really well, you know, doing my Gyre Sage into monsters sort of thing. It's what I do. And uh, I I had the uh, – on his turn four, he played a landed pass with an empty board. And I'm like, okay, you know, you got to have something. I'm looking at the board, but I've got um, – I had already played out a uh, uh, the Red God. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go for this because why not? So I untap. I play my Burning Tree Emissary into a dragon. Of course, get two shocks off of that and swing because now all of a sudden I've got five, uh, five devotion. So I swing with, um, uh, Porphyr, Porphyrus? Por, I don't have, yeah, yeah, Porphyr, with Porphyrus and the dragon for ten points. And I'm like, if he's got the removal spell, he won't take anything because he'll kill the dragon. But if he doesn't, then I get ten. And there's no reason not to go for it. And he had the hero's downfall for the dragon. I was like, that's you know, that's to be expected. I still got my two, my two shocks. And then he untaps and plays a Reaper of the Wilds. And I'm like, that's a really cool card. I'm, I'm, so I guess uh, that that's one good reason to play Jund. And I was kind of stopped for a minute because I couldn't get through the four five. And then um, he untapped next turn and played a. Liliana's Reaver, and I was like, wow, I really hadn't seen that. And if you, once you start getting hit by that thing, your game just goes downhill so fast. Like what happened to me in that game. Yeah, um, even one hit starts to get out of control. I, I, I was at 18 because I took two from a shock land. I go from 18 to 10 to zero. Dang. Yeah, that's what happened. And then in the second game, uh, he played the Reaver first. He, he seemed kind of light on threats, but I really hadn't boarded in. I didn't really have anything for this matchup because I wasn't expecting it. Uh, and again, I'm not decrying that or saying, oh, that's, that's terrible. I love open-ended format, so I think it's great. Um, I'm losing to it, but I think it's great. And, uh, he played out the Reaver, started getting in. I was chump blocking where I could, but, uh, I was not drawing any sort of removal, unfortunately, and what he had was pretty big. I did get him all the way down to six, but he had out the Reaver. He played another Reaper. It seemed like, again, it was the same threats each time, and um, especially with that scrying and especially with the amount of removal that he had, ultimately I just couldn't get anywhere. So I lost the second round, so I'm one and one. Mike. Yes. Uh, in my second round... Played against John, and it turned out he was playing a Bant-colored Super Friends deck. I didn't really know what he was up to until on his fourth turn, he he played Gideon, who I hadn't seen anyone play in a while. And I'm like, oh, wow, awesome. Weren't you and I talking just not too long ago, and you were like, you know Gideon, the new Gideon's still in standard, and we both sort of looked at each other like, really? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I played again. I'm like, oh, awesome, Dreadbore. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and dang it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of my other removal spells didn't have a, a a whole lot to do, but that just gave me more time to do other things. Um, it, it seemed like he got into a really he, he 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 hit a real dead patch. It didn't just seem that way. He did, and he had to start um, discarding stuff for a few turns in the middle of the game because he didn't have anything to play. Uh, and then by the time he was finally able to get a thread out, you know, like a, an Aetherling or something, he had two turns to live because I had my Maze's End going, so it, it wasn't able to save him. Um, 
in the second game, since I didn't see any creatures, and I figured he had a bunch of other spells, you know, I boarded in my Sin Collectors and uh, my Pithing Needles, and I was able to play two of the Sin Collectors, but they bricked both times. <laughs> he just had a bunch of Planeswalkers and creatures in his hand both times. And, um, Damn, man. Yeah, but they weren't able to save him, and I was able to win with Maze's End again in the second game. I told somebody that was sitting near me, um, I, I mentioned that I was there with my friend Mike and he was playing a, uh, a Maze's End deck and they kind of gave me a look like, really? And he said, oh, Turbo Fog. And I said, no. No. <laughs> Maze's yeah, everyone... End. And he's like, isn't it the same thing? And I'm like, no. What are you, stupid? No offense. And, and other people, I, I heard other people around me comment when they saw what I was playing, but apparently they weren't paying enough attention. They would call it either Turbo Fog or Gate Fog or, or something like that. And like one of my opponents asked me, like, do you play any fogs? And I'm like, no, I just play removal, removal, all the removal. And even though, even though the deck ends up playing a little slower because all, because it's, you know, playing all removal instead of a bunch of fogs means I'm casting more expensive spells. You know, for me, at least I get the feeling that I don't have as much pressure to have to have something to play every single turn to save myself. If I just keep killing things and blowing everything up, then I'm going to run into stretches of, you know, one, sometimes two, maybe even three turns where I don't have to worry about anything except uh-huh. just doing my own thing and, and winning the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd personally just like it better that way, even though it ends up being a little slower. And... Then being a little slow ended up being a real disadvantage for me in, in my mashups. Um, but not this one. <laughs> not against the slow creatureless planeswalker deck. <laughs> that was one of the things that this deck was made to, to prey upon. Prey upon. We had had lunch at this point after this, after that round, I think. Yes. So that was good. Uh, I, and they did not want to sell us the personal pizzas. <sighs> we got up there and we're looking at the menu and I'm like, you know, when I was here for the, um, for the uh Grand Prix, I had like three of these pizzas. So I'm going to order this pizza. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, I want this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I talked to Mike and I was going to buy his. So we decided to get two of the basically the personal size four cheese pizzas, the Quattro Forgiano or whatever it is. I'm butchering that. Formaggio. Formaggio. And two drinks. And they're like, well, you know, you can get one slice and a drink for this amount. Or da da da, and I'm like, I want, and I'm looking at the menu, and I'm like, I want the one that is six and change, two of those, and they're like, oh yeah, we don't sell that. I'm like, what? It's on the menu. They're like, yeah, that's for normal days. I'm like, oh, and I think I turned to Mike and said, I'm gonna eat a Bojangles, because <laughs> that, well, it was like five dollars for one slice of pizza and a drink, and I'm like. That's not gonna work for me. I, and I mean, the hungry. pieces were, the slices were kinda big, but not that big. No. Not big enough so, to be worth five dollars. Yeah. So I literally stepped over to the Bojangles and had the Bojangles. And Mike actually did eat from something from them, but it was not pizza. Yeah, I got one of those plates that had, comes with like lasagna and salad and some bread and yeah. whatever. It looked pretty good. Yeah, it was good. So then we get back to the magic. Uh, round three. Keep in mind it is a nine round day. Spoiler alert, we did not stay for nine rounds. So we're actually getting toward the end of this. Uh, I played against Spencer. Great guy. Um, and he was playing a white green deck. White green, fairly aggressive deck. And the first game, I think all I took was two damage from a shock land. And I just, 
he he put up a good uh, a good show, and there were a couple times where I thought I had the win, and I didn't quite have the win, but it was more of him just kind of slowing me down than actually presenting a credible threat. Game two, this is the game that will forever be etched into my memory because he I've got him down pretty low. I knock him uh, from 12 to 4, and I've got a dragon, and I've got a fairly large gyre sage. That's, that's doing most of the work. And I'm kind of focusing on those two creatures. And he's got a boon satyr out. And he puts an unflinching courage on it and attacks. And so he goes from 4 back up to 10. And I go from 11 to 5. Uh, because I think I, I, um, I, I let it through. And I had an ember swallower there that was unmonstrous and, um, I, I had a couple of choices there as far as what to do, and I just decided I was just going to let it through. And if he had a trick, I could I could make something work. He has three cards in hand, two mana untapped, and he passes back to me. And I'm looking at the situation, and I didn't look hardly hard enough because I've got the dragon. He has no flyers. He's at ten life. He has three cards in hand. I have the dragon, and I have enough mana to monstrous. And instead, I just attack with the dragon. Bring him down to six because I thought I was still staying ahead and I thought I, I might, um, I could do something. I, I, I don't remember exactly what play I took, but I tapped some of my mana to get out another guy versus having the mana open for the, um, to monstrous, which was important because he untapped and he attacked with his boon satyr and I put the ember swallower in front of it thinking, okay, you know, that's, Five toughness, um, I'll be fine, and I'll take one trample damage from this thing. And he bestowed it with bestowed the the boon satyr with another boon satyr oh. for exact to kill me. And I said, "Ooh, okay." I th- and we started shuffling up for the next game. And I said, "I th- I may have made a mistake, but I I want to talk about it afterward because I didn't really I didn't want to give it away." And he's like, "Yeah, you should have monstrous. I would have died." And I was like. <laughs> Yes, that is in fact what I was referring to. <laughs> and then in the last game, um, I guess, uh, I don't know if that just threw me off or what, but, uh, he got off to a really fast start and, uh, he just killed me. I don't really have any specific notes, but uh, that will forever, you know, I, uh, I, I chose poorly. And, you know, ultimately I went with the, I had the knowledge that I had available at the time and, um, I understand why I did what I did, but it, I wish I could say I had a better plan than that, and part it was really just I didn't even see it. And then I'm watching him take his turn, and I kind of realized what I should have done, and I was hoping for the chance to rectify it, and it, I didn't get it. So, eh. so I lost that one, and I am one and two. And so far, as I have stated, I played against a mono green deck which I thought I might see, but I really wasn't anticipating a Jun deck, which I had no idea I was going to see, and a green-white deck, which, again, was not... I thought I would see mono-blue and mono-black and red and esper, and some form of those, and not a one yet. Back to Mike. (laughs) All right. In my round three, I was up against uh, Jacob, who was playing mono-black, but not the mono-black devotion. It was something he had made himself. Um, in retrospect, it looked like something that I might have <laughs> built myself and taken a play. His deck was essentially uh, a ton of removal, like, oh, my God. And uh, his creatures were 
Desecration Demon, Night Howler, and White of Precinct 6. What's a night, uh, White Howler? Night Howler, what's that? Night Howler. Night Howler is the Bestow Lurgoyf. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So his plan was to just kill all of his opponent's creatures and have his uh, big-ass, big-ass guys roll in. Which sadly doesn't work against my deck because I don't no. have any creatures. Not even slightly. <laughs> so, so that was unfortunate. So um, there were a couple times where at the end of his turn he would, you know, discard a Doomblade because there was nothing for it to do, you know, or something like that. And uh, in the first game I was able to survive long enough and grind it out long enough because uh, he, he had relatively few creatures in his deck, so I didn't have too much pressure for my removal. And I won with Maze's End. Um, the The second game... I didn't actually, I didn't actually draw a Maze's End, uh, you know, and and I even had a lot of time to try to find it because he he ended up getting stuck on three lands for for a while with nothing in his hand to play except an Underworld Connections that just did not find him land <laughs> for for the first few times that he used it. But in that game, I was instead able to, uh, I, I ended up drawing a copy of Crackling Perimeter that I sideboarded in. Before I found a Maze's End. So instead of having to win with Maze's End, I just ended up taking out his life in chunks of, you know, like five and eight until he was dead. <laughs> it doesn't take very long when you're talking about chunks of five and eight. No, it is not. Especially yeah. when he's also hurt himself with Underworld Connections. Yeah. And, and it was neat talking with him and looking through his deck. He had, uh, he had just learned to play, uh, I can't remember if he said two months or two weeks ago. But he had come there with some of his friends. One of them was in a match sitting beside me, and we had a good time talking. We ended up doing some trading after the match, and there were some cool guys. And I came and did a little bit of trading at that point too. They were good. They were good guys. Yeah. Kind of oh, yeah, that's right. You came over too. Yep. Is that is that when we played another commander game? Uh, I know we played. We played. We started that first one. We didn't really go anywhere. Uh, we played and finished the second one when you beat me down. And then we played a third one, and my Cedrus deck did exactly what it was supposed to do, which was <laughs> it killed you like five different ways, which was awesome. And I don't know if we oh, played, yeah. and I don't know if I think we had a chance to play again later, and we're like, you know what? Spoiler alert! Um, we say that a lot. Uh, we decided because we finished up long before the nine rounds was over, we decided to just go back to my place and see if Chewie was available. And Chewie was available, so we came over and we played some. Three player EDH, which I is, was available. You were available. That's crazy. Tall. You're still available, so I hear. <laughs> Ladies. Uh, so, so that was round three. Uh, I'm one and two, and Mike is two and one. Mm-hmm. Round four, I play against a man whose name is Reno. I kid you not, and I think that's awesome because I don't know whether I'm happier that it's like you know Reno, like Reno, Nevada, or Reno, like the Turks. He's old enough that I doubt that his parents named him after a character that hadn't been invented yet. Um, he's playing, he's playing a, uh, junk deck, by which I just mean white, black, uh, green. It, his deck was not all junk. If anything, it was like, he just, it was, it was black, white, green, good stuff. Like every haymaker you can possibly imagine. And my notes for this first game were just haymakers on both sides. Because I'm, I, I play an early Geyer Sage, and then before I play anything to evolve it, I play out another one. And they go up, like each step of the, each, each possible t- time I can evolve it, they keep going up and up and up. And it's literally like, he plays some, I play something big, he plays something big, um, 
back and forth sort of thing. He gets out, um, he gets out a blood baron, but I've got a dragon, so he can't really attack very profitably. So he gets out an obsidet, so I play a Rurik Thar, and this and that. <laughs> My, at the end of that game, it was so swingy. He even played two Elspeths, I believe, over the court. At least one, at least one Elspeth. One Elspeth and two, count them, two, uh, Vraska's the Dreadful. Vraska the Dreadfuls. Um, which well, led to Vraska's me. the Dreadfuls. Which led to me, uh, we, Mike and I had a discussion about sideboarding later, but I'll get to that. But my two, um, my, my two Gyre Sages each had six plus one plus one counters on them by the end of the game. Damn. Yeah. I had never seen a Geyer Sage that big, let alone two of them. I eventually just reached the point of threat of of the threshold of just okay, all my stuff is just huge, and you're tapped out, and or can't finally burn through all the cards in your hand. Swing with everybody. So <laughs> it was it was if you think of Battle Cruiser Magic, a, a picture of this game would would be there. Um, game game two. Um, he. Uh, he had out an early advent of the worm token and um started proliferating and there uh, there really wasn't a whole lot I could do it was just too big too fast those silly worm tokens are not white otherwise my storm breath dragons would have done a lot more work in the last game i didn't take a point of damage I got out an early perforos and I just started just playing dudes. I, I wasn't even attacking all that much because again, he had big guys. Um, according to my notes, he didn't get any life gain. He literally went 18 and 16, 15, 13, 11, 5, 1. Um, and I eventually just drew, um, it was either a creature or a magma jet. I believe it was a creature. Same difference. So the discussion that Mike and I had about sideboarding was I, I boarded in some, uh, pithing needles, among other things, and uh, I would proactively set them down whenever I drew them and just name Vraska the Dreadful. And Mike was of the opinion of waiting to make sure that he's got it first. And I and I had pointed out that they did a good job of really slowing me down in that first game. So um, I was being more proactive about it. But I'm not saying that that's the right move. Because, well, no, I'll get to, I'll get to, I'll make the last point about that in, in the next round. Go ahead. Mike, whenever you're ready. Oh, I missed my cue, I'm sorry. Um, so. That loud go ahead and then a pause is, that's, that's pretty obscure. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason it just didn't register with me what exactly he meant or who he was I, talking to. I, I talk a lot, so there's a small amount of siphoning to, mm. to occur. <laughs> Alright, um, round four was against uh, Ethan, who was playing uh, a Celestia aggro deck. And he won the die roll, and I had the first game, again, ended up being a complete waste of time and effort on my side. His his turn one was experiment one. His turn two was another experiment one. His turn three was a fleece main lion evolving his experiments. His turn four was a Loxanon Smiter that evolved his experiments again, and I just, I just friggin' died. It was bad. That's awful. No yeah, removal. it was awful. <laughs> uh, no, no, no timely removal. No, not in time. And I wasn't, uh, because I didn't know what his deck was, 
and and I and and this is just completely stupid now that I'm saying it out loud. I didn't know what his deck was, so I wasn't mulliganing aggressively as if it, as if his deck might be an, an aggressive deck that might just up and kill me. Mm-hmm. That was just a stupid decision on my part to not keep mulliganing in game one as if my opponent was playing a fast deck. Yeah, so that was my fault. Anyway, um, game two, I was able I was able to 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 hang in there past the first past the first several turns and keep myself alive and and kill his stuff. Um, and and eventually, you know, I was at seven life, but he only had one uh, knight two two knight token that he had made with a Celestian charm. And I'm like, okay, all right, I ended my turn, and I'm like, because I had spent all my mana killing some of his other things. I'm like, okay, go, and I think I'm good. <laughs> and he plays another Celestian charm to pump his knight to a four four, and he puts down a Johnny and gives this guy flying a double strike. And swings in for a total of eight. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I've once heard a, a, a good magic player say, if you ever, if, if your plan is ever that you are okay, unless they have this one very specific card, that's the card they'll have. You can just count on that's the card they'll have. I was thinking of one very specific cards, different one cards that he could have. And no one card would make a 2-2 suddenly deal seven or more damage. Not that I could think of. Yeah. With a combination uh, of another charm and a Johnny showing up. That's, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're now both two and two, and we said, you know, we're out of contention for top eight, but we're still in it for prizes. But at that point we had mentioned, you know, maybe going home, and it was fairly early in the day. It was not, like, late at this point. So, you know, we said if we lose again, we'll probably drop, and but, you know, we hope we do well. So we now, go into round you, five. This is Brian saying, Brian, who goes to bed at like nine o'clock? It's not late yet. That tells you that it was really not late yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm an early to bed, not so early to rise. Um, so I go into round five, and it's against Chris, and he's playing mono black, and I'm like, yes. And I'm not saying uh, he wasn't original or anything, but the list he was playing was pretty much the stock list. So I knew exactly what to expect. I also knew that even uh, with all the testing that I had done, no matter what I had done, his deck was just so good, he was going to have an edge in game one, which is exactly what happened. I did get him down to nine, um, and that was after at least one Grey Merchant. So that, you know, that worked out pretty well. Uh, but desecration, desecration demon just does a lot of work. And so, you know, game one I lost. Game two was a little more interesting. And this carries over from the last thing I was saying. He plays a very early pithing needle and he names Garrick. I, I forget which name, one he named. Obviously the one that, um, is in standard right now. The big one. And I was kind of laughing a little bit to myself because I didn't want to give it away, but I wasn't running him. So I was like, yes. And I think that goes back to what Mike was saying about how if you haven't seen it and you don't know if they've got it, you don't know if it's actually going to save you anything. And so uh, I, I'm thinking I'm pretty good and I'm I'm going along. He's got um, – he had played a, a turn one thought seize. He actually played a turn one thought seize on his turn one each game <laughs> of this round. Which, you know, that, that deck likes to do that. And in the first game, I had only like two options because I was holding a lot of lands. Uh, in this game, I had already played one land and an Elvish Mystic. I had another land in my hand and a whole lot of choices. Um, 
but uh he took a destructive revelry over the magma jet that I was holding. And I'm like, you're holding an underworld connections, aren't you? And he's like, I cannot comment on that. And sure enough, he then played the, the pithy needle on his next turn, followed by an underworld connections, because that's exactly what the destructive revelry is there to shut down is the underworld connections, because it draws him so many cards and that extra two, you start, they play a great merchant and you're like, okay, you know, you've got, the the specter and him that's fine I'm like no they've got at least one underworld connections if not two buh so that does a lot of work um however even though he played that one pithing needle earlier that really wasn't going to do any good he played another one that turn before i was going to play xenagos uh he played one naming xenagos and i was like ugh yeah. We're going back and forth a little bit. I get out some creatures. He can't manage to blow all of them up. I'm kind of pulling ahead a little bit, but in very small increments because every time I start to get an edge, he gets a removal spell, but I keep playing guys. Um, so it's kind of balanced out, and I eventually manage to uh, – I'm, I'm wearing him down, and I eventually draw a ratchet bomb. I play the ratchet bomb. I, I do some attacks. At the end of his turn, I set it to one. I tap it. I felt foolish. I also played an Elvish Mystic that turn, I think, just to have a guy. But it's stupid because as soon as I untap with it on one, I immediately blow up both uh, both his Pithing Needles, play my my Xenagos, and make a Seder token, which with my Perforos is the win at that point. Um, first of all, he was only at two life anyway, and then I also could have attacked with that. So either way, I was good. So that was actually really hard fought. And then the last game, um, I got him down to four, and uh, I had actually gotten him down to 11, and he played a great merchant to go back up to 18. Ugh. And then I got him back down to four, and he play, played another great merchant. And um, I was at five life at that point, and that was all he needed to do. And so that's a good deck. And as I told him, I thought he played well, and I, it actually thrills me on some level that one of the – one of the commons in the new set, a common, a common creature. It's not even like a counterspell or something. <laughs> a common be, creature that costs five. That costs five can be the <laughs> linchpin. Really, one of the key cards in a really top level deck. I oh, think that's great. Wait. Not just a common creature that costs five, but a common creature that costs five. That's really great for multiplayer. That's really great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this is. I offered to let you – I told you if you wanted to come to FNM a couple weeks ago, I would build you a deck. The deck that I built you was a mono-black devotion deck with those guys in it. And I was like, and I'll just throw this other stuff in it. And I splashed green with some undergrown, under um, overgrown tombs for like Putrefy and Reaper of the Wild. Not quite a Jun deck because no red. And uh, even just playing it casually, I was like, yeah. So I think I'm going to work that into a 60-card deck like – because we still do that every now and then. Yeah. But, Man, so I, I put I, a copy of Grey Merchant in my Volrath Commander deck, and he just owns all over everyone's face. I'm not surprised at all. All so, over everyone's face. So at this point, I'm two and three, and I decided I'm going to go ahead and drop. Chris was a nice guy, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying anything to the contrary. He had, I think he thought he was being helpful as far as, uh, he said something about something that was in my deck. I was like, yeah, I really like that. He's like, yeah, that's not in most of the, the deck lists. I would do this. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm probably going to be good on sanctioned events for a while. It's not that I didn't want to do this and I was happy to do it and I had invested quite a bit in my deck. But as I told Mike, it was either this or the sealed deck tournament that was coming up this next weekend. 
And I kept trying to be able to do the sealed deck tournament, and all these other conflicts kept popping up. So I, 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 I like standard a lot, but I really love sealed. So it's not that I didn't like mind his, his suggestions. I just knew I wasn't going to be picking up the deck and, and taking it to the next five F and M's or anything. So, but I had a good time. The deck was fun to play. I had some really memorable times. Anytime you're either ultimate limit breaking Xenagos or you've got two, uh, seven, eight Geyer Sages. These are good games of magic. <laughs> and then I came over. Well, no, no, then Mike came round. over. <laughs> said his round. Actually, at this but. point, I, I went to go find Mike because he he was he did not come over. So I I thought, okay, it's going longer. The longer rounds usually favor Mike, so maybe he's doing well. That is true. Yeah, this this round um, went longer than the others because I actually got to play three games instead of two. Uh, I was playing against Mark, who was playing a mono-red devotion deck, uh, that wasn't as much of the super fast red deck wins type, but it, it was, it was still pretty fast. Like, he wasn't playing Rectus Cacklers or anything, but he was still playing a lot of stuff on two, um, and three. Uh, the first game, actually, one of the first things he ended up playing was, was a, you know, after, after a Scryland, he, he played the red-white Scryland, and I wondered exactly what was going on. And I think, uh, can't remember whether I saw him. I can't remember what the white card was. That I remember seeing him play, like not counting Boris Reckoner. Was it a War Leader Helix? I don't know. Anyway, there were some white cards in his deck, but um, he th- one of the first things he played in that first game was actually a Hammer of Perforos. And I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> this is really bad. This is bad. <laughs> yeah, because he can. All his creatures have haste, which is a real downer for me, um, and he can just make golem guys. Uh, with haste. Yeah, with haste. I was able to hold him off for a little while, like long enough for him to, for it to become obvious that I was playing a Maze's End deck because I played like four completely different gates in a row. Uh, and, but, you know, eventually he, he dealt me the last bit of damage with, you know, Fanatic Amagus attacking these guys. Yeah. Don't you love that guy? Oh, he's, he's, he's completely crazy. He's awesome. Did you guys um, hear about the, uh, the other devotion, the black devotion guy who was killing things, he won the, the GP in, uh, Santiago. The one that uh, gives, it costs, he's a gray ogre. And the intimidate. Oh, yeah, yeah, the uh, intimidate guy, he was killing yeah, things Marauder. in Santiago. I bet. I got a, I got a Mogus's Marauder in my pool at the Theros release. And that was just like pay three mana and the game. Yeah, and it was a mono black deck. So he was like pay three mm-hmm. mana, you can't block any of these guys, I win. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, that just jumped out when you said Fanatic Amogus. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, the Amogus' Marauder is awesome, too. Um, it wouldn't have been Mogus. very good in this deck, but... I like to Mogus Mogus. Yeah. I like to Mogus Mogus. We all like to Mogus Mogus. Um, Mogus! Woo! And so game two, uh, you know, spoiler alert, since I said there were three games, actually one game two, <laughs> I was able to, I was able to stick one Cerule Gatekeepers, that helped out a lot. Is that the green one? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's green. Seven game. life and four points of toughness is a big deal. Yeah, seven life and four points of toughness is huge. Um, because, and that seven life was extremely important because after, after a really hard fought battle, I ended up ending that game at the last minute at one life with a Maze's End win. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did one of the things where it's like, 
Okay, at the start of my turn, I untap, I count up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight unique gates. I play a ninth one from my hand. Activate Mazes End for the tenth one. Yay! I'm sure he was like, or oh. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think he might have said something like, "Wow." <laughs> um, and game three. Oh, game three. My opening hand looked good, but it just ended up starting out a lot rougher than I thought. Um, even even when he didn't have very much to play on the first few turns, you know, I had to deal with an Ash Zealot, get rid of that. Um, that showed up on his turn too. But I felt really bad about having to use an Azorius charm of all things on a Mogus's Marauder twice. No, not not Marauder, but a Fanatic Fanatic Mogus twice. I had to Azorius charm it instead of just killing it, so it ended up coming back. But thankfully, it was only dealing me two points of damage each time because of how I was able to hold them down and other things, but it was still like, ugh, gah. Well, that, that is like the most disheartening thing in the history of ever. Yeah. And even though in that game I got to stick two Cerule Gatekeepers, I just didn't get enough other stuff going on to hold off his assault and stay in the game, and he ended up beating me that one, beating me in that one, too. Well, dang so, it, man. So at this point, I was at 2-3, and Brian and I had made a pact that we would drop if we both lost that round. Yep. So I dropped. We did, we did some more trading. Yeah. We did a fair amount of trading that day. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Like we would, like we, we traded with each other and then some other guy walked up to us and he's like, hey, are you guys trading? Like, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we traded with him too and. So that was trading was to be had. It was nice. It was, it was, it had been a while since I had traded like that with people that weren't us, so. Yeah, yeah and, and, and Brian and I needed to because Brian had just given me a fourth death cloud a while ago. Mm-hmm. And. When we first, and when yeah. we first got to the vent, uh, the venue, Brian was like, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I just, I just went ahead and, and handed Brian my two Ashiox that I was meaning to trade to him, like, here, hold these so other people don't bug me about them. I put one so, right into the EDH deck I was about to play, and he's like, take the other one so no one else will bug me about it. Yeah. Yeah, so we needed to sort that out and also some other things that we wanted from each other, so that was good. Yeah. We we had a little ledger by then because I had borrowed some stuff from him that I needed to trade for or get back or uh and he had some things of mine, so it was it was good to get that done. So so how how would you summarize your, your day and your experience and blah blah blah? I would summarize my day by saying that um I did make a bad call in in that uh there were just a lot more good, really fast decks out there than than I knew about or than I thought there would be. And my deck was not prepared to to deal with them, both in just the general composition of the deck and the way that I wasn't being aggressive enough with my game one mulligans to make sure I would be at least kind of you know, vaguely safe against a fast start um, from my opponent. Maybe I should have played a few more fogs, so I would have had a couple more, you know, oh no, save me Jeebus things that were cheap to cast in the... But... Um, so that so then you know after just staying alive long enough, then I could clean up with a supreme verdict or an entwined far and away or something. But I don't know. Fused. Yeah. <laughs> you said you said entwined. So and I think I said in, and I think I said entwined uh, at least a couple times that day when I was casting it. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure you probably did. Because that's what it is. Man. That's what it is. Yeah. You can dress up a turkey and call him Barbara, but he's still a turkey. Right. <laughs> Hell yeah, Barbara the turkey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't... Uh... <laughs> Just for the record, I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> So at that point, I guess if you're all right with me just wrapping this up, since you seem a bit at a loss. Uh, well, we, because people wouldn't let me finish what I was saying, but you can go ahead. Well, okay. So we, we dropped at that point, and then it took us like 15 minutes to find the car because we were at the fourth level. We, we, we walked across rather than go, rather than going back the way we came, we were smart, quote unquote, and stayed in the building and went to the other side and said, all right, we're on the fourth floor. What floor did we come in at? Well, we parked on the, like just right inside the entrance. So that would be the first floor. So we drove, we took the elevator down to the first floor and didn't see it and started walking up floors until we got to the fourth floor because apparently floors one through three were subterranean and fourth floor is where you turn in. And there was our car. And then we went home and played EDH with Chewie. Yay! And life was good. And had Subway. I played Johan. You did play Johan. Is that the one I won or did Karthus win? I Karthus think won. Karthus won. I think Mike won the game where you played it with Johan. Yeah. Yeah, I was playing the Mimiplasm in the first game. Oh, yeah. Word. So... So. So are we good with all that then? I think so. Okay. I think so. Cause we should mention that the new Commander product made a splash this weekend. Not because it came out on Friday, but because one of the Commander cards was huge at Eternal Weekend in Philadelphia this weekend. It was a true name nemesis? True name nemesis. The one that you name a player and the true name nemesis has protection from target player, or from that player. It yeah. sounds... It's, it's a 3-1 for... 3-1 for 3. One and, and, it's super. Merfolk. and it's a merfolk. And it's a merfolk. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, I, I had a sense that it was pretty good, but it's one of those things where it's not until you stop to consider just how hard it is to deal with it. Not only is it unblockable, and it might as well be, you know, a um, a 3-1... Uh, what's the guy from Innistrad that you can't block and has hexproof? Invisible Stalker. Yeah. It might as well be a 3-1 Invisible Stalker that you can't pyroclasm away, uh, and it can hold swords or a jete or whatever. It's actually really, really good. I think it's probably the reason that the deck it comes in, the Grixis one, is the most expensive on the secondary market. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, I, um, does the Baleful Strix come in that one or the other one? It, uh, I think, it, it, no, it, it does come in that one, cause the only two I bought were the Grixis one, the Bant one, and I did get a Baleful Strix. Okay. So, you can best believe I'm definitely holding on to that two name nemesis now. Jeez. <laughs> um, I, I stopped by after, after court today, I had to go to the grocery store and I ran by Underground Gaming, which is in High Point, North Carolina. You should check them out. And, uh, it's where DJs used to be. For those that, you know, remember that. And uh, I was just there. I picked up a Zedru because I've always wanted a Zedru, and I didn't buy that commander deck. And he's like a dollar fifty. So I, I ran by and picked that up, and I was just looking through their stuff, and I was like, they had at least three copies of each of the other commander decks. I'm like, did you have the Grixis one? And they're like, yeah, we sold it out of that one first. So I think the writing was kind of on the wall on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but True Name Nemesis... 
made it to the finals of the Legacy Day and made it to the championship of the Vintage Day. Believe it or not, the two Vintage decks playing in the finals were decks that won the game by attacking with creatures. Yeah. The damnedest thing. Yeah. Which is something you might not think happens in Vintage, but it happens a lot more than you might think. It's kind of interesting <laughs> that... Which is that all? Know, yeah. It's kind of interesting to think that they're both eternal formats and you can use... To a certain extent, literally every card you can imagine in the game, and this card that came out less than 24 hours like yesterday, earlier, yeah. <laughs> uh, in a and not in a set, in a in a limited product release, not not limited product because they they're going to reprint it, but it, you know you have to buy this. You can't open it in a booster pack. Um, would be so ubiquitous and not just like just played everywhere, but played at the top tables. So I guess the question will remain, you know, is it going to be like the mono blue decks of standard of three weeks ago at the pro tour that were, you know, all over the place and have completely vanished or are they? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> they have not completely vanished. Okay. They got hurt by the fact that people started playing more rats again, but yeah, they're not have have not been putting up nearly the substantial numbers how, as they were initially. How about that? Yeah, they're still they're still out there and still doing pretty well. They're just not dominating like they were because right. it sort of came out of left field. We don't really have a Delver yet, which Thank is good. good. <laughs> I think Mono Black may actually be the closest we have, just because it's so good against almost every matchup. The question I hear, mo- uh, uh, the question I read on Star City and most other strategy websites right now is, how do you improve your matchup against Mono Black? So, play this more, is, kill this guy faster. This this is I, going back a little bit, but I know, I know sometimes when a new um, two mana. Red creature shows up. We'll we'll ask ourselves. This is because you mentioned Delver and it got me thinking about some other things. We'll ask ourselves. Oh, is this finally the the red two mana creature that can stand alongside you know Snapcaster Mage and Stoneforge Mystic and Dark Confidant and Tarmogoyf? Tarmogoyf, yeah. And um, Young Pyromancer was tearing it up in the top eights of of the Legacy and Vintage days. Both of them. Hmm. Yeah, we Young uh, Pyromancer was tearing it up. We had um, we had Ari Lax who won the Legacy Champs mm-hmm. uh, on Monday Night Magic this week, which was last week for those of you listening. And he, uh, we were all surprised that like no one was surprised to see Delver decks in the tops of Legacy because they're they're huge. But then there were like Rug Delver decks in the top of Vintage, and Clues mm-hmm. sort of stopped and was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that stupid little common that was a joke is just. That they that they made worse. Ugh. I'll never get over that. We made it worse because we didn't think, you know, we made it trigger on instants and sorceries. Instead of creatures. Mm. Instead of creatures. Because no one plays creatureless decks or light creature. Oh, wait. Blue players do. <laughs> what color is this card? Can we go back and make this green real quick? Is it too late? And Tarmogoyf is like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Watch it. Oh, so you guys want to take a break? Yes, Tarmogoyf please. Blue card. Tarmogoyf what? A blue card. <laughs> Dang it, Tarmogoyf. Hurricane was a blue card, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
for Oh, suffer damage. Is <laughs> it <laughs> like commander damage? So yeah, many. but it's with pokers. Oh, anyway. So, since last week was 300, and we did the uh, uh Don't Stop Me Now, you know? Now, we're doing 301, so it's only fitting that we throw in the Protomen's rendition of The Show Must Go On. Ha ha! There we go. But it's the Protomen, because it's, cause it's us. So, enjoy that, and we'll be right back. Does anybody know what we are living through? Another hero, another mindless cry behind the curtain. In the pantomime Hold the line Does anybody want to take it anymore? Show must go Right then, enough of that. Yes, let's get to it. He said the show must go on, so let's make the show go on. So, why don't we do another old versus new? Yon that sounds two? good. Let's do it. Okay. So Dirk isn't with us, so we can't do well. We definitely can't do Simic because that's Dirk's. That's Dirk's. That, yeah, yeah, that is Dirk's. That's, that's just yeah. bad. And we probably shouldn't do Gruel because this got green in it. Yeah. And we, and we can't we do, do Demir. Demir, because Dirk is all about some milling every once in a while. Yeah. What's so what's left? Um. That'd be Orzhov. Orzhov. And Boros. Boros. Well, since we decided earlier to do Boros, let's do Boros. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for try, trying to figure out how you're going to reach that. Conclusion. I think I think Dark Light goes up better than Boros anyway. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> so the Boros, the Boros Legion is the um, was and actually remains in the current set setting the the army, and they're in charge of the military operations and keeping the peace. Not keeping the peace like. The Azorius, who are the lawmakers, but more just the, these are the – I don't know how you exactly yeah, – I, I think I think something we pointed out before is that um, the, 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 the Boros and specifically the, the Wojek are the, are the police, the, the beat cops of Ravnica. But um, the Azorius, in addition to being the judiciary, they're the feds. Yeah. They're the, they're the Secret Service and the FBI. Yeah. So the, these, are the, these are the guys that are out on the street – you know, they're not concerned with, you know, the intricacies of the law. They just enforce the law and the peace. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, with a slight mind toward serving their own guild first, of course, and the ideals of their own guild. So, in the first, we'll start with the mechanic as we always do. In the first Ravnica, the, the mechanic was Radiance. And I'm not going to talk about it at all because it's terrible. <laughs> and in return to Ravnica. It sucks. It, it, we've had some before where it was clearly one winner or the other, and somewhere it was a lot and, and this closer. <laughs> this is not the second one. This is the, the the mechanic from Return to Ravnica is um, Battalion, which is you know whenever this creature and at least two other creatures are attacking, blah 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 blah, um, and it's That's only on it says. <laughs> it's only on creatures. Yeah. And, um, so that, that limits it a little bit. I suppose you could, you can't really have a battalion on a non-creature because that creature actually has to attack. Yeah. So, so let's, let's actually tell the people that don't know what Radiance is. Radiance was an ability word that 
sort of like Battalion, you know, when this and two other creatures attack, blah, 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 blah. Radiance was blah, 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 target creature and each other creature that shares a color with it. Yeah. So, like, the most famous one is the, what's the freak, Cleansing Beam. Mm-hmm. For four and a red, it's an instant, it shocks target creature and each other creature that shares a color with it. So if you shock a blue creature, you're shocking all the blue creatures. If you shock a blue-red creature, you're shocking all the blue creatures, all the red creatures, all the blue-red creatures, all the green-red creatures, everything with blue and red in it. Yep, including hybrid symbols. Including your guys, their guys, his guys, everybody's guys that are those colors. And that might sound good under certain circumstances, but... It leads to some oops moments, too. Oh yeah, my it God. leads to some oops moments, and 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 that's, that's just only part of the reason why it just turns out pretty crappy most of the time. I mean, the effects also had to be costed appropriately for for things that could either hit, you know, one thing or the entire board. And that that leads to a lot of overcosted over just junk that doesn't that doesn't do all that you want it to do a lot of the, the time. Some of the better ones were the Wojek Ember Mage and the Wojek Apothecary, which the Ember Mage was a pinger with radiance, so one damage to a creature and each creature that shares a, a color with it. And I'm reluctant to call him better because I tried to play with him a few times and he was not good. And then, uh, well, let me. And then the apothecary was pre- to prevent the next one damage would be dealt to target creature and each other creature that shared a color with it this turn. And the reason I say that they're a little better is because you had some more control over it and the fact that it wasn't like a one shot like some of these sorceries and instants. So, it, in worst case scenario, I mean, yeah, they're. Both of them cost four, and the apothecary is a one one, and the emerald mage is a one two. So you're not exactly in like really. These are not great creatures on their own, but in worst case scenario, if you got the ember mage and it's only going to hurt you to target anything with it, you just don't t- tap him. Um, and same with the apothecary, but and at least you can play it out. Whereas that cleansing beam, if you can't really cast it without doing, you know, without benefiting yourself, it's just going to sit in your hand. All the time. Yeah, or it's here's, here's, here's to be discarded. Thing. Yeah, as, as a real, as what I think is the best example of one of these radiance effects that can either be really powerful or can just completely screw you over if you're not paying close enough attention. Yeah. It's, is Rally the Righteous. Yeah. Which for one, a red and a white, it's an instant and it has radiance and it says untap target creature and each other creature that shares a color with it, those creatures get plus two plus zero until end of turn. Like there, I, I remember specifically um, a deck on on Duels of the Planeswalkers. I can't remember which edition of it that it was, but I remember the first time I ended up in a situation where I cast a Rally of the Righteous without thinking about it and ended up getting my entire board wiped because I wasn't paying attention, paying close enough attention to what I cast it on and and what my opponent had. I took those out of the deck so fast. And, you know, we've mentioned this a little bit. And if if you're thinking, and it might be a fair assumption, uh, just hearing what you've heard so far, that um, perhaps it's not that bad. And if you're paying attention, it gets better. Um, uh, yes, that that is kind of true, but it's still not good. <laughs> kind of just not. It's just not good. Um, as a mechanic, it was so clunky. Um, the fact that I know sometimes been, we joked and called it racism instead of radiance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, you and everybody that's like you, you know, this is what all happens. the black cards <laughs> and all it's the just, other black cards. Anyway, and and because as Mike said, they had to cost it appropriately. Even when it seems to do some good work, they tend to be a little expensive. So 
or or, or the creatures, like we said, that are attached are just terrible creatures. So, um, like it's one of those things where you the really nuts ones are expensive. I mean, Wojak Siren and uh, which it gives a plus one plus one. And Surge of Zale, uh, let's see, something gains haste. Those both cost one, cause they're, it doesn't matter how many creatures you hit with that, meh. But anything that's damage based, like Cleansing Beam is a shock that costs five. Even yeah. like Pyroclasm only costs two, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bright Flame is four is, is and an X, X spell, is an X spell with a base cost of two red and two white. Two red and two white and X, which means it costs if you, want, if you want one damage, you're paying five for it. Now, yeah. what it does is X damage to target creature and each other creature that shares a color with it. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. That is that is huge. You know, one or two or three points will drastically swing the game in your favor, even if you have to lose a couple dudes to do it. Yeah, if if you can afford X equals three, that's great. But but since back in this these days we were playing sixty card magic, ah, no, we really you really couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Might deserve some consideration now, but um, but as as a whole, again, these these cards just were not that great. I mean, there's some better cards in Boros to be sure that we're oh. going to talk about, and none of them have Radiance. Dead giveaway. Now, the other thing you have to think about with Radiance is it was printed in this multicolored environment, and everybody's playing you know two or three colors, and so anytime that you want to shock something, like let's go back to Cleansing Beam, you have to be careful because you're you might lose some of your stuff. You know, you want to shock that Merfolk over there, but you're playing a couple copies of Is It Guildmage just in a mono red deck. Well, you're gonna lose him. <laughs> just stuff like that. And sometimes the reason I didn't like Radiance is because I found myself holding these cards going, eh, if I do this like I'll I'll get a benefit, but not enough to lose my own guys. You know? uh-huh. eh. Or I really don't want to piss Dirk off. I want to kill that and that and that, but this will also kill that that Dirk has, and then Dirk will just come at me, bro. And I don't don't come at me, bro. <laughs> the payoff is never quite yeah. good enough, especially for the cost, as we've said. So, so the oops moments and the the feels bad man moments both kind of kill it for yeah. us. But then Battalion is just. Oh, Battalion, good. oh man. Yeah, because yeah. what does, what do red and white do? Play a lot of dudes and hit people. <laughs> well. well. And, and, and part of the other is <laughs> just with, with Radiance is because it is so wide open because it's, because it's an ability, uh, word rather than a keyword, it, every single card does something a little different. Whereas with Battalion, it's very clean, it's easy to understand. You say, okay, well I gotta attack with this and two other things, that Even makes sense. It's an ability word rather than a keyword. Yeah, and they all do something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> so they're both ability words, and they both do something completely different. But somehow, you, w- to get battalion, you have to do the same thing every time. Yeah, because you're performing the same action every time. Yes. To to get a different effect, I agree with Brian. That does make it a little easier to understand. Yeah. Oh, totally. As yeah. To how radiance, you're doing something completely different in a vaguely similar way each time. Yeah. So and then um. And these creatures with Battalion are generally pretty good creatures, which part of that is just we live in a world of better creatures now than we did then. That's just part of it. But they all, they didn't make these things stupid expensive to make up for it either. So. Yeah, I, they're I, made, they're made to get in there and attack, which means even though, 
even though that means quite a number of them are a little small, it means they're cheap. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. In my life, these are not positive things. <laughs> like, and I might the, be small, but I'm also cheap. <laughs> oh. And, uh, the... These effects are, are pretty good too. Like they're usually worth it. It is a scary thing if you're playing Gatecrash Limited to see them play a mountain and a plains because you know that unless they're just going for a really over the curve sort of deck, you've probably got like three turns to live. Uh, I remember at, uh, at, um, Charlotte, Grand Prix Charlotte, I was gruel with a very light white splash for a couple of things. And there were a couple of games where I go, turn one, the goblin with haste with battalion. He's here. So the Legion loyalist mm. turn two, play a, um, a burning tree emissary. Isn't that guy great? Whew. Into an, like a, a, the gruel guild mage, the, the new gruel guild mage or something like that or something else that costs two, like the, the bear that could get first strike, whatever, any number of plays. And all of a sudden next turn, I'm like, go for it. And everybody, everything's just crazy. So that happened yeah. a lot. And we all so. remember how well that turned out for Brian at Charlotte. Day two, baby. Day two. Oh, and that yeah. was, and that was with, again, being a gruel deck that literally splashed white for, I think, two cards. One was the, um, Sun Home Guild Mage, which we'll get to in a second. And another was the, uh, True Fire Paladin. And maybe a Wojek Hellburgers. But, so, but that was it. Hellburgers? Hellburgers. 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 Oh, but, the French um, guys. The Hellburgers. No, no, with cheese. Um, so, yeah. so, yeah. So, Battalion. Good. Uh, Radiance. And you only need, and you only need one guy with Battalion to get the benefit. You just need yeah. to have enough att- other attackers to turn it on, which is really and, easy in red and white. But if, and if you start getting even two guys with battalion to attack together. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's just... That's I was great. on the receiving end of a turn one Boros Elite, turn two Boros Elite, <laughs> uh, turn three, it was either a Daring Skyjack or the uh, Helberdiers. Helberdier. That, yeah. It, it was three power. And then next turn, he's like, swing for 12. And I went... <coughs> That and we don't. Do you mean swing for twelve? We spent four even, mana on that. He's like, uh. and we're talking about the commons and uncommons. I just want to point out frontline medic because mm-hmm. even without that silly second ability, indestructible means you're just swinging forever all the time. Just for uh, the hell of it, I got and, this. And fire main angel, which you know we're gonna mention this a little bit when we talk about original Ravnica, but that is a very very, very, oh, very, very Avenger. strong effect. Fireman Avenger. Avenger, did I say Angel? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's what they, that's what I get when they made them so close together. Though, that's a very strong effect. The Legion Loyalist, even for being one mana, that hole can't be blocked by creature tokens. Again, in that environment was huge. And still is relevant now because it means, you know, you think about tokens, you usually think about something Either it's huge, like it's it's an advent of the worm token, or it's something they're just going to throw away, and all of a sudden they can't block. That's that's big. And then there's um the uh, maze runner whose name I can't pronounce and Tajik. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, plus five, plus five. Bleh. So I I think we probably explained even more, more of this more of this than we even needed to. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Battalion is better and was better executed than Racism, than Radiance. <laughs> yes, both the whole, uh, the lynch mob is better than Racism, yes. <laughs> Alright, so that's, that's a, that's one point for Return to Ravnica. Yep. Now we look at, do we look at the, uh, Guild Leader? Is that sure. next? Okay. I mean, it doesn't really matter what order we do it in. Let's uh, let's do the guild leader. All right. So in, the old guild leader. Where is that? Razia. Razia was crazy back in the day, dude. Oh yeah. man. I mean, even costing eight, she's she's still good. Um, she. The thing was, a couple. She's out a couple years after a chroma. She costs white and red, but her converted mana cost. Is the same, so you're, and she's an angel, so you already gotta be thinking, this thing is Necroma, how does it stand up? And the answer is, actually really, really well, because, uh, for four, and two red, and two white, she's a six three, and you might go, ooh, just three, but, for, for the toughness, but that doesn't really matter a whole lot. She's got flying, she's got vigilance, she's got haste. And she has tap. The next three damage that will be dealt to target creature you control this turn is dealt to another target creature instead. That, my friends, just means, oh, you you know, you thought you could block this or block anything. You know, think about how good Boros Reckoner is because of the ability to go, oh, look, you hurt it a little bit, so I'm going to toss that damage around however I want. This is that same sort of effect. You have to tap for it. It's a little more situational. But in some ways, it's actually easier to control because it's any creature you control, including her. Yeah, and there's nothing better than, like, the eight mana, play Razia, swing, well, I'll block with this, uh, tap her, redirect it to kill that first. Nah. I mean, sure, you paid eight to bolt a guy, but... But now you have an angel. But now you have a 6-3 angel, so, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And they may decide to just let that through, and they may not realize that when they're blocking something else, they're still in trouble. And she's got vigilance, so they just let it through. It's not like she's going anywhere. So, yeah, she's pretty good. And the art is amazing. Yeah, her her wings are pretty pretty banging. The the wings are awesome, and the flaming sword is is good. It, the the cloth the lack of clothing is a bit gratuitous. I Hell mean, I hate yeah. to, I, I hate mean, to what? say that, but I mean, <laughs> for a soldier, it's kind of it's a little silly, and she's got that leg lifted up a little bit, like, hey, look at this. But um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it, it's a it's it, it's a little hard to take that seriously, but everything else going on with this is, is good. And I like Luckily, the fact that when she's coming at you with a flaming sword, you're not gonna be like, "Girl, your shorts are too short. <laughs> Won't I, you put on I, some angel pants?" <laughs> angel pants. Anyway, and I like the fact that if you actually look at what's going on in the art, you see those buildings. You're actually looking up as she's like about to chop your head off. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's a. Oh, you're dead. Yeah. So <laughs> who's in charge now? Oh, it's a different angel. Yeah, Aurelia, the war leader, is in charge now. And, um, you know, for, for two red and two white and two, she's a 3-4 with flying, vigilance, and haste. Uh, and her fancy ability is that whenever she attacks for the first time each turn, you untap all your guys, and after this phase, after this phase, you get another combat phase. And that's pretty sweet. Yeah, Aurelia's really good too. You might I really want to at- get one of these to put in my, uh, Johan deck. 
That would make yeah. that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, she costs two less, which is not insignificant. There's a big difference. <laughs> two and six. And yes, what if she costs two less? <laughs> She's only a three four, but she has the potential to deal six damage. That she has and potential to deal a lot more than that, depending on how many other attackers you have. I just meant on her own, of course. But yeah. 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 Um she can cause some obviously very big swings, and the fact that she does have haste means you get that ability immediately. Um, I <laughs> I remember stealing one with Nickel Bolas and just going boom, boom at my opponent. It was great. Wow, you're a you're a horrible person, and I love you for it. <laughs> this one does have an extra point of toughness, which she can't you know redirect it. But sometimes you might be playing. Uh, Razia and you're already, you've already got her tapped, so you're kind of caught with your angel pants down. Um, <laughs> and she's wearing angel pants, I think. She's wearing a lot more clothing. Apparently, yeah. she yeah. decided since Razia died in the original novels, she's actually going to <laughs> wear armor. You know? Maybe I cannot take all this damage at once. <laughs> hey, guys, can I redirect damage? Hit me with something. Oh, God, hit me that armor. <laughs> So I don't, you know, this one for me is actually really close because, yeah, yeah Aurelia is cheaper and she may look like she's got, you know, she's a little more solid, but she lacks some of the flair that Razia did. I mean, when you play Razia, there's just this, the big legendary audio, audio thump that you want to have that it's that experience when you play a legendary creature where it's like, Oh my God, this, and everybody else is thinking, how can I even begin to deal with this? And Aurelia kind of has that, but it doesn't have the same. Now, when you play Aurelia, the guy who has no, uh, uh, untapped creatures, he hears a thump. He hears a thump. <laughs> he actually hears like the crack of doom. <laughs> I'm going to die, aren't I? But that, I would argue that that scenario happens with either one of those. If you, if you can't block either one of these the turn that they come in, you're in worlds of trouble. I don't know. With Rozzy, if you can't block her, you're only taking six. With Aurelia, if you can't block her, like, like I said, the guy with no untapped creatures, he looks at like all of your creatures and he's like, they essentially all have vigilance or double strike against me. This sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like, depending on the size of your army, Really, it could be more or less intimidating. Right. And it's hard to judge because, you know, are we talking about them leading an army or are we talking about them just as an individual creature? And yeah. it's it's hard to separate those. Both of them want you to have lots of creatures because Razi's ability, again, gets better because then no matter how they block, that, that block is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Aurelia, obviously, you got more guys, you get more damage. Or at least the potential, as you said, to maybe just even skip that second attack step if you just want to have your shields up, which is very important in multiplayer. Mm. You know, I hadn't even really thought about that literally until that moment. And so I'm going <laughs> to... I have a lot of love for Razia. I've had a Razia. I've, I've put her in various decks since since Ravnica. But for multiplayer, I'm going to have to give Aurelia the nod because it is so important. And there are how many games... That you have played where everybody's got big stuff, but nobody wants to do anything because you don't want to then be tapped out or even have some of your guys tapped and the, and everybody else just up and kills you. And she gives you the ability to get aggressive 
while still, if you need to just take that second uh, step and just say, oh, no, I'm good pass, you've still got all your guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to give it to Aurelia because I think she's got a little more versatility. Although I say that and I also like having Arazia untapped too because that's good. I don't even know. I'm just gonna go with Aurelia because that's what I said. But it, for this one for me, may be the closest match. So what do you guys think? According to Brian, play them both and shut up. Play them, oh, that'd be great. Play Aurelia, untap, play Razia. <laughs> It is a good day for you to die. <laughs> um, a lot of my reasoning ends up being uh, like Ryan's, but for me, I would add that Razia, like Razia, is really cool. But for a, you know, we we made a, a quick comparison to a Chroma earlier. For a card that that's that expensive, I want something that actually is, you know, an Chroma or something equivalent. And and Razia just doesn't quite meet that level for me at least um, and that combined with the fact that I just really really like extra uh, combat phases is why I would end up picking Aurelia you tend to you, you do tend to run those sorts of cards quite a bit don't you the relentless yeah. assaults it's, it's it's like a it's like a way to to play a bunch of um get an extra turn spells without pissing people off because you're taking a bunch of extra turns like for some reason they don't see it that way <laughs> Because you don't get to see, draw extra cards, you just get to hit people more. I I tend to see it that way when I'm dying, <laughs> where it's like, okay, I take the time to block so that I don't die, and oh look, I die anyway. I'm not saying I'm mad about it. I'm just saying I I kind of I don't see the difference myself. <laughs> it's the card draw. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> if Aurelia said. Uh, untappy all creatures you control after this phase, there's initial combat phase, draw a card. I'd be like, oh, bitch! <laughs> 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 yeah, I gotta go, I gotta go with these guys on this one. Uh, and Brian crystallized it, like I was leaning towards Aurelia and I wasn't entirely sure why. Uh, Razia is great against one opponent, especially one opponent, you know, that you're trying to kill, which is the whole point. Cause no matter what they do, you can go, oh, tap Razia, huh? But against multiple people, tap Razia, huh? And then the next guy goes, okay, I'll kill her. D- damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she Aurelia needs more gives, pants. She needs more angel pants. She needs pants. more pants, yeah. She needs to get some sun pants on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sun pants with her would go a long way, actually. Oh, God, it would be ridiculous. <laughs> but Hey, uh, Blessing, how's it going? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, against multiple opponents... Really, it does give you that that extra bit of control over your destiny. Because she doesn't tap for her ability, so yeah, among yeah, yeah. Okay, well so that was pretty much. An, it was very an, close, and yet it was still unanimous. That's that's okay. Yeah, yeah right, right up until the the very end of the race, it was close. Yeah. Um. But, so that's another point for return to Ravnica. Uh. Now we go to the sub leaders, like the in in. In the original Ravnica, it was Argus Koss. Oh! Agris. There you go. Agris Koss. Wojek Veteran. And, wow, he actually would have been pretty good with Battalion. Like in a step (laughs) with Battalion. Yeah, he would have been insane in the new Ravnica. Because he says, for three, a red and a white, he's a 3-3 legendary human soldier... Whenever Agris attacks, attacking red creatures get plus two, plus zero, and attacking white creatures get plus zero, plus two until end of turn. 
So, so when he, he gets attacked, that, there you he go. Gets five, five. Yeah. Yeah. And he also likes leading the army of people because the more people he's inspiring, the the better. Mm-hmm. And I like how there's a bit of interplay there, and you have to actually think about it because you might be playing with some a couple guys that are white but not red, and some guys that are red but not white. So you have to actually think about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, like a, my my brother plays a copy of Igris in his red and white samurai deck, which doesn't have any other multicolored creatures. But still, when he attacks with a couple samurai buddies, it's just boom. Because yeah. some of them are huge on the on the power end, and the others are going to be impossible to kill in combat because they have the big toughness now. And uh. mm-hmm. huh, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't like your brother. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> And now we've got the Maze Runner, which we said Tajik, Blade of the Legion. I miss the fact when we were talking about him earlier that he's always indestructible. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Four four mana for a 2-2 indestructible guy with Battalion where when he attacks he becomes – he gets plus plus 5 until end of turn. So he'd be a 7-7. So he costs a little less than Argus. He pumps himself up bigger – than Argus when he attacks with at least two other people, but he's also always indestructible. Always. I think he's just a better... Well, he doesn't do anything for your other guys that you're attacking with mm-hmm. is the is the big thing that sets him apart, but the fact that he's always indestructible, again, means he, he's just plowing through whatever they've got. So, uh, Oh, sorry. If, you know, it's a good thing he didn't have Trample or that would just be stupid. Um. <laughs> so I, I I don't know I I'm hmm, Tajik I guess is my vote because he costs less and is probably still better. He's just a better card I think. I don't have strong feelings for unlike the last one where I really you know liked Razia and it was kind of hard for me to give the vote away. This one I don't really have any strong feelings either way, and I think that he's just better. I don't know. It's once again one of those situations where you play them both because yeah. then when, <laughs> because when, well because then when you attack with both of them and one other guy, obviously you're triggering Tajik's battalion. Ten ten. Oh my god. <laughs> and well, and oh, I didn't even think about that. But and I'm not, uh, sorry. Ar- Argus is hopefully making it easier for that other that third creature to to attack and to survive. Um, whereas Tajik is kind of like, I need two recruits to come with me. I don't really care what happens to you, but, um, I'm going to be big and that's the important thing. Make me look good. Hurry up. Make me look good. <laughs> so I play them together, but for right now I'm giving it to Tajik because indestructible. <laughs> Even though Tajik is indestructible, um, I have to pick Agris and it's because of his ability that will that will pump your other guys instead of just um, making making himself better. Because in addition to really liking extra combat phases, I really like guys get bigger effects. Was that something Scott said? Guys get bigger? Is that where that came from? Possibly. Dude, I think so. Dudes get bigger. Yeah, dude, dudes get bigger. Dudes, dudes get, get bigger. bigger. Yeah. I really like dudes get bigger, and that's what Agris Coast does every day. So. See, I guess I'm more of a make a single big guy that they can't possibly deal with attack. So. I like making several moderately big guys. Wow. Huh. Dang it. That means I gotta tie break this? So, yeah. Bitch, I got nothing, dude. Like, 
this is one of those cases where I'm 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 gonna get a splinter straddling the fence here, like, because mm-hmm. I do like the big seven seven indestructible dude punching you in the eye, but then I also like you know like a horde of three uh, one goblins. Just, just something about that just makes me happy. <laughs> like all of you goblin tokens, get them. And Coast goes, and they all go, because they can't take charge, because they're stupid goblins. Hmm. Oddly enough, I don't think I've ever actually played with either one. I hmm. might have put an Agros Coast in something at some point, but it didn't. It didn't Maybe. stick with me, so it's probably not a very good sign. Hmm. Wasn't he the main protagonist of the first three Ravnica books? The first, the first one, and I think he was moderately big in the third one. He was, was early in the second one. I think Teza was the main character of the second one. Okay, I think. he was. He was definitely the main, central figure in the third one. But hmm, well, that's a strike against him. But <laughs> I was big in a magic novel. Boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this is unrelated to the current conversation, but. I was just scrolling around and I found a Radiance card that isn't creature-centric. Leave No Trace says destroy target enchantment and each other enchantment that shares color with it. Oh, wow. That's weird. Hmm. Still Keep bad. Yeah. Still bad. That one is actually might be the most useful of all the Radiance cards. That, I, I will, I will give you, I will give you that. Oh, so what man. do you want to do here? Do you want to just call it a tie or? I don't, can we call it a tie? That seems I don't, think I don't we know have if before. we have. But otherwise, what do you what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna call? I think we've had to do it before when there were four people. We had to call something a tie. Hmm. But there's not, so that'd be a cop out. Uh. Well, right now. Balls. Well, right now, the new Ravnica, Return to Ravnica, is still winning anyway. Well, yeah. So it's really only a, an issue if we get to the end and. There's not a clear winner. Yeah, which I'm not sure, given <laughs> some of the we, old cards and some of the new cards. Why don't we continue? I think I think I got to go with Mike on this one. Okay. Just because old school. Yeah. Well, with with both of these guys, you want to be attacking with a bunch of guys. And while Taja goes, Rawr, all they need is some sort of like a wall of shadows, and Tajik is completely useless. <laughs> Yeah, I went old school. Wall of Shadows is a zero one that doesn't take combat damage. And can't be targeted by spells and abilities that target only walls. Yeah, so you're not gonna blow it up with a glyph of whatever. But <laughs> thank God. Who is that what glyphs do? Sometimes. Okay, that's what some glyphs do. How about you're not gonna hit it with a tunnel? Yeah, because yeah. it's shadows. Shadows will just be like, eh. <laughs> now we're in the tunnel too. <laughs> but <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I'll, sti- I'll stick with I'll stick with mine. So we'll be we'll be uh, it won't be unanimous this time, but True. that's fine. Yeah, if if you want to swing with with a bunch of dudes, uh, I think that Agris Coast gives you more benefit. More and, bang and for your buck. And it's harder to deal with. So yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we move on to the Guild Mages. Big, oops, wrong one. No, this in, is the right. The Guild in the, Mages. In Bo- in the original Boros, it was the Boros Guild Mage. I like how in the original Ravnica, it's really easy to find them because it's insert guild name here. Guild Mage. The the Boros Guild Mage could give a creature haste until end of turn, or give a creature 
first strike into London Turn. Yep. And her abilities were some of the cheaper ones. Like it's just two mana the cheaper for, ones. Yeah. yeah. So especially I'm I'm glad that it didn't cost like three mana to give something haste, because that would have been dumb. That would have just all kinds of stupid. <laughs> for five mana you can give your creature haste. Well that means on turn eight I can actually still lose. <laughs> this is great. And then um here, uh, in, in Return to Ravnica, we've got the Sun Home Guild Mage, which again was so good, I splashed for it in that one deck. Uh, for one I don't know white... what Brian's vote's gonna be. <laughs> well, I don't know. Let, let's get through it. Uh, for one, a white, uh, a red and white creature, all creatures you control get plus one, plus zero oh until in a turn. And for two and a white and a red, put a one, one red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield. So that almost feels reminiscent of, um, like the original, uh, Selesnya guild mage, if anything. Which, yeah. if you recall, was really, really good. Yeah, the Selesnya guild mage made dudes for, it was four mana, wasn't it? Made yeah. dudes for four mana. And it and pumped your dudes for pump four them mana. For four mana. And this doesn't pump their toughness, but it only costs three to pump their power. Yeah. And it gives them and the tokens it makes have haste. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Which means they can attack right away to help with battalion. The Boros Guild Mage can be situationally very good because let's say you've got this huge thing in your hand and it doesn't have haste, you can play it and give it haste. But or you know it in a and it makes um, combat very complicated with that first strike. But to get anything out of the haste, obviously you have to spend two more mana on top of the casting cost. Um, yeah. the first strike is a little easier to, to manage. Um, yeah, I agree. The, the first strike is really useful. Yeah. But two mana for haste is rough, and there'll be a lot of times where you just find yourself not bothering with it. But, uh, the, the usefulness of the, of the Boros Guild Mage is largely dependent on what else you have, because there'll be some situations where neither ability will matter at all. Whereas the Sunhome Guild Mage, literally, all you need to do is just have it and have mana. And you start making guys, and they can attack, or they can chump block. Uh, if you've got enough mana, you can chump block and pump the power. Or if you've just got other guys out, and you want to pump their power to help with trades or finish off the opponent. Literally, this is all you need to have. It's not quite as situational, mm-hmm. I think. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Sunhome Guildmage? Oh, yeah. He is yeah, He is vastly he's, superior. Yeah, he's, he's a one-man army. Okay. Sweet. Boros Guild Mage is great to help out with your other man army. Yeah. Yes. But Sun Home Guild Mage needs doesn't need your help. <laughs> I got this. See, that's if you look carefully at the art, that's what he's doing. He's like, stand back. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. All right. And at this point, I think we usually just oh, we just kind of talk about yeah, standouts that we see. The signets. The Signets! Dude, <laughs> well, you cannot I, mention old school Boros. With, like, some of these cards are just, they're, they're so intrinsic in the magic world. Like, there Boros, are so many, there are so many non, um, non-mechanic cards in Boros that are so good. Yeah, like, yes. Boros Swiftblade is, let's I think, one of the least offensive of the, the creatures here is a 1-2 with double strike for a red and a white. And he is huge in, uh, old school zoo decks. Yeah. And, um, the ones that like to throw creature enchantments on him. He's one of the cheapest, if not the cheapest creatures with double strike. 
Yeah, those those Zudex that would play um, all five colors and uh, Gaia's might. Uh, uh, like that. Uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the domain Zudex. That's that. what they were yeah, called. Domain, yeah. right? There domain Zoo. I, I, like I said before, I think I'm looking at I'm looking at the visual spoiler right now, and I'm like, I like that card. I like card. That card. I like that card. None of these cards have radiance. <laughs> well, that's Flame probably Kins- why you like them. Yeah. I was about to say, Flamekin Zealot was a really important card in Dredge decks. Yeah, he's, yes. a win- he's the win condition. Which <laughs> part of the win which condition. Is it impressive in a deck that is black and green, uh, <laughs> for the win condition to be a red and white 2-2 oh, creature. And a bunch of, um, uh, uh, like one one flying Narcomedus. Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and bridge from be- and bridge from below tokens. Yeah. 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 That's pretty sweet. Uh, you cannot talk about Boros without talking about Lightning Helix. You just well, can't. Yeah. You just can't do it. I remember Mike Flores previewed this uh, card, and usually when he previews a card, or he used to, since he doesn't really have an article anymore, at least not one that's consistent. Uh, it was usually, oh, this is the tournament card to watch out for. And all it looks like is a lightning bolt with a healing salve. Not even a whole healing salve, just a half a healing salve stapled onto it. And you're like, how good can that be? And the answer is, Stupid. it can be amazing. <laughs> Better than your wildest dreams. <laughs> lightning helix is so good. There are if black never, cards that can't drain this well. No. Now, this is th- this is a testament to how good it is. There were few things in life that I liked better than responding to an opponent's lightning helix with a flames of the blood hand. Because I got to say, you don't gain three. Yeah. Like that's and that's the only reason was so they didn't gain three, and that was worth it. That was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a seven point swing. I'm like, take four, don't gain three, bam! <laughs> Which tells you just how good Lightning Helix is. Yes. <laughs> and there was some speculation as to whether or not they were going to reprint it in Return to Ravnica, and they were like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I we think, do that. I think all of us, I think all of us, when we heard that, our reaction was like, no, 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 no. No, probably not. So, um, there's a, some other good cards they here. They did reprint it in something, though. Was it, uh... Well, yeah, it was in uh, Johnny vs. Nicobol last time. Right, 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 okay. I knew it was yeah. in something, because I could see art in my head. Yeah, but not, but it's not in a standard. Uh, another card I want to talk about is actually, there, there are a handful, it's very few cards that are actually reprints from original Ravnica, and one of them was Putrefy. But, uh, that card didn't even show up until, um, Dragon's Maze, so it wasn't even in the set that originally had Golgari, which was Return to Ravnica. But we have the Sky Knight Legionnaire. Hell yeah, big metal crotch. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's the new one. The old <laughs> art was so awesome, and the card is a very good card. It it was great back in the day because a flying hasty guy, a two two with flying and haste for three mana, is right where you want to be. And you, in in Return to Ravnica, block and and get and gate crash, it's even better because it's oh look, I now have battalion. A full with turn evasion. sooner than you with, thought I would. With with evasion, I mean, it's even better, and so I think it's such a great card. And what they did with the art is both embarrassing and insulting and offensive and just bad, just bad. It's really bad. Oh yeah, big metal crutch. It makes me mad. 
just how bad it is because it's such a good card. Hey, so, hey Brian. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Right, you yes. mad, bro? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm mad. Okay, just check it. Okay. So I want to mention the Fireman Angel because yeah. Fireman Angel did something that uh, well I don't think it was brand new but it was it was relatively new. It wasn't so, done a lot, that's for yeah. sure. She was she's a four three for uh, six, three a red and two white. It's ridiculous. She's got flying and first strike, and uh, you gain one life at the beginning of your upkeep if she's on the battlefield or in the graveyard. And nowadays it's like and. But back then, that was like, holy crap, dude. Even if they kill her, even if they counter her, oh my god. And you can get her back for twice her mana cost almost. Six yeah. red, red, white, white. You can get her back from graveyard to play, but only during your upkeep. But So that's a whole turn wasted because it's ten mana. But if you had ten mana to spare, what, what the hell else are you going to do? <laughs> Shortly after Return to Ravnica came out... I built the mill deck because I had the glimpses of the unthinkable, and I was going to run that deck. And no, you mean so- original Ravnica. Yeah, what did I say? Return to Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, original Ravnica. And I built that deck, and I was going to have a great time. And I played against a local player who had, play- who had built a Boros Control deck. And pretty much the only creature I think he had was Fire Main Angel. He didn't care if I milled them away because he just got them back. He- All I remember about his deck was... He had all the Fireman Angels, and I was doing my best to to exile them however I could, and it just was not working. I, uh, Fates fettered them, perhaps. I don't. I can't even remember what I was doing, but doing something to keep them down. <laughs> and it was literally like I was counting them down. I'm like, okay, he's got three left. He's got two left. Ugh. And all I remember about his deck was Fireman Angel and Lightning Helix. <laughs> that sounds I remember, I remember playing uh, Suppression Field in the sideboard of my deck. As one of my answers to Fireman Angel. Oh wow, that's cool. You know, to that's make cool. the activated ability cost two more. Although it already costs ten. <laughs> but, well, you know, ten to twelve is a big jump. Uh, Mike and I mentioned that we traded quite a bit, and there was one player uh, this last weekend that I traded with, and I held his cards out because most of the trading that I did was for standard stuff. And with this guy, I only traded for things that were not in standard. And so I have them out right in front of me. And this should tell you something, because I traded some decent stuff to him. I got a final judgment. I got a phantasmic, a fan, phantasmal image, an unholy grotto, which is going right in the Cedrus deck. Yep. An, an inferno titan, a stoic angel, and a fireman angel. Right. And I think that's some pretty good company <laughs> to be in. So that should tell you something. So I find it funny that we're talking about this now. There's uh Sunforger. You can't you can't not mention Sunforger. Oh, I, Sunfor- I, hello. Okay, let's listen to this. Yeah. For three mana, it's an equipment. It equips for three. Equipped oh, creature three to play and it's got an equipment three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Equipped creature gets plus four plus O, oh, and that's not the impressive part. Because who cares? For a red and a white and unattach it, you search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and play that card for free, then shuffle. So for free, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was reading it off the card. But yeah. Yeah, I know. know. So this goes to get... Just think for just a second about all of the red and white instant cards with uh, converted mana cost four or less. The first one that pops in your head should be Lightning Helix because we've been ranting about it. (laughs) <laughs> this oh wow, War Leaders Helix costs four. Yes, it does. 
Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> I, have been, I have been playing with copies of Sunforger in one particular deck for years. And that deck, in case you've been paying attention, I haven't played it in a while because it's a 60-card deck, and we haven't been playing so much of that, but it's the Arcane deck. <laughs> and that's because that deck has a couple creatures, enough that I can attach this fairly easily, and then literally... Everything is a white or red sorcery or instant. Just about always instant, I think, including some of the most important ones, like Ire of Kaminari or Glacial Ray. Yeah. And when you cast that card, you know, it goes to the graveyard, which fuels the Ire. So it's so good because it's basically the copies of the cards that I want whenever I want them, even though I haven't drawn them yet. I need to rethink about this now that I'm thinking with that deck, as much as I have enjoyed it, they're never going to print any more Arcane decks. So I might take out some of the cards that I really like it. I have a set of Aired Mesas in there. I have Sun Forgers and all these other good things. As much as I love that deck, it's just never going to get any better. So uh, I'll have to think about it. But a card I always wanted to do more, and I traded for some right away, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be great, is Hide and Seek. And I really like Hide and Seek, but the new card, the new double side, the new um, split. split cards, thank you, uh, with Fuse, just make some of this stuff not look quite as good. Uh, the Seek card, the Seek part of Hide and Seek is much more interesting, and that's actually the Orshop side, so... I won't really uh, go into that. would be really sweet in the, the current uh, meta. Put target artifact or enchantment on the bottom of its owner's library. That knocks a god right the hell out. I'm going to hide your god. Wouldn't that piss you off? <laughs> Look at all this devotion I have to my god. I'm going to hide it from you. Aww. I feel like I should be subtly offended by this conversation. I know. <laughs> Where is your god now? <laughs> He's on the bottom of my library, you bastard. Uh. Oh man. Here's here's a here's a card that you can build decks around. Searing Meditation. Yep. yep. Was printed in the original Ravnica. Yep. For a white, a red and one, it's an enchantment. Whenever you gain life, you can pay two, and if you do, you get to shock something. And there are all sorts of decks based around that. AJ, I remember, built a, uh, a Tamanoa deck around it, or with it. Yeah. I don't remember what Tamanoa does now. I just remember it was Naya-colored before there was such a thing. I think it's whenever you're a source you control deals. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look that up right now, because I used to know that off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up. Snap. I remember that. It's, yeah. I think whenever a non-creature source control deals damage, you, can, you gain life. Whenever a non-creature source you control deals damage, you gain that much life. Oh, my God. No wonder AJ built that deck. And he had the Searing Meditations to just be funny. Because gain some life, deal some damage. Gain some life, draw some damage. Draw some damage. Throw over the burn willow. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> then you, you, uh, then you uh, uh, skip some cards and tap some plays. Over the burn willows makes other people gain life. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Really? Yes. <laughs> Painlands. Woo, Painlands. Now here's a card from Original 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 <laughs> Original Boros that uh it seems like somebody kept getting like all the copies of it. It might have been me. It's Razia's Purification. I, I think it. I got a couple cuz I was like this is going to be sweet and uh, I think I have like 6 or 7 of this stinker. So for four a red and a white. I, I didn't get any. 
Oh, I you, like it. You want some? For sure. four, a red and a white. Each player chooses three permanents he or she controls. Everybody got that? You choose three permanents. Three permanents. That's permanents. And sacrifice the rest. What? <laughs> now, this definitely sounds like something Mike would appreciate. Yeah, yeah. This has Death Cloud Plus written all over it. <laughs> but, uh. I, the, the very mean part of me could see, like, playing an Ulamog's Crusher and then untapping and playing this and then attacking somebody. <laughs> uh, you're a horrible person. <laughs> <I'm>, uh. <laughs> Well, this is a mean card. There's uh, there's no two ways about it. This is a mean card, so why not go for broke? Yeah, that's true. Um, no, 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 no. A card that made us play wrong for years and years because we didn't completely understood the way understand the way it worked. Like up until last year, even. Yeah, what? you know it. I know it. Warcraft Three, The Frozen Throne, Master Warcraft. Oh yeah, we're bad at this game. Well, it's a little confusing, and we really thought we understood how it worked. We were wrong. <laughs> yeah, so the text says, you know, play it only before attackers are declared. And it says, you choose which creatures attack this turn. You choose how each creature blocks this turn. And for years and years, we were reading, you choose how creatures attack this turn. In that first in, sentence. But that's not what it a, says. In a duel, that's essentially what it does say, because you're saying, you know, there's only one person to attack. And we're talking about pre-planeswalkers, of course. Yeah. But now, since there are planeswalkers, and of course, even then in a multiplayer game, that doesn't say, you choose how they attack. You just say, those things are attacking. Okay, well, they could be attacking Dark or Mike or anybody, or Jace Bellerin. Yeah. Stupid Jace. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the active player still gets to decide. Who exactly those creatures are attacking. Right. Anything else from original Ravnica? I mean, there's a couple other things I see once or twice. I really like Boros Fury Shield because I won so many draft games with Boros Fury Shield. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I don't really need to go over... I don't feel like I need to go over every card here. I think I've I've hit, oh, for myself, minute. most of the there, big ones. There's one we have to mention for Dirk because he's not here. The Trumpeter? The Thundersong Trumpeter. For mm. a red and a white... It's a 2-1. You tap it, target creature can't attack or block this turn. Dirk has an angel deck with four of these bastards in it. And you're like, alright, combat. That can't attack. Son of a... I wasn't gonna attack you! I don't care. That can't attack. Damn it, Dirk! <laughs> it's interesting because it's like tapping it down, but it doesn't tap it down. So, it's just kind of interesting. And then there's, alright, so, I'm gonna swing these at you, and that, and that, and that can't block, and you're dead, and it's your turn. Like, damn it, Dirk! <laughs> I have to mention one other. I know I said all that, I have to mention one other, which is, <laughs> which is the Sun Home Enforcer. He's a giant soldier, he's a 2-4 four for 4. He's got, whenever he deals combat damage, you gain that much life, so it's kinda lifelink. And for one in a red, uh, he gets plus 1, plus 0 oh until the turn. And I remember I was doing one uh, particular draft of uh, original Ravnica at DJ's. And I'm sitting there, and the person to the left of me is apparently drafting Boros. And the person to the right of me is apparently drafting Boros. And I ended up with three copies of this. And one of them, one person got like two lightning helixes. And somebody else got basically a lot of the other stereotypical good Boros stuff. And I won the whole thing. Because <laughs> this thing is just 
insane. Yeah. It'll it'll eat a lightning helix and laugh. And keep in mind also there were they were to a lesser extent pushing some of the uh enchantments, which is why they had some of the auras with like when it enters a battlefield, mm-hmm. do XYZ, those sorts of things. So this thing with uh any of that stuff on it, it getting enhanced at all is ridiculous. So wow. Now I'm kinda of thinking about a Sun Hum Enforcer and you you play a uh uh ordeal of Perforos on it. That's cool. That is cool. I like that. I might do that at some point in the near future. Mwahaha. And that's really it for me from this. The, set. the one last card from old Ravnica that I need to mention is is the land for Boros, Sun Home, Fortress of the Legion. Yay. Because it's just really fun to be able to give something double strike. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, and it only costs five mana, but it's worth it. But hey, and yeah. Double Strike was only like three years old at all at this point, and it was only showing up on a handful of creatures. Mm-hmm. They still don't use it a ton these days, but it shows up a lot more than it used to. Plus, there's just been more things printed with it. So this ability, you didn't really count on Double Strike then, and that was pretty big. Cost what two and it costs two and a white and a red to activate and tap, and tap it. So yeah. so essentially yeah. five lands, but it's worth it. Yeah. All right. Are we good to jump in the Delorean? Yes. I am out of uranium. So oh no. Why don't we go to Chewy? Why don't you go to Uranus and get some more? I have an app uh, on my phone that lets me find Uranus anytime I want. <laughs> really. I hope it was free. So uh it was, actually. So nowadays, Boros is much more, I don't know, focused? Yeah. yeah. They're notice- all about punching sense. you in the damn head. Do you, yeah. do you notice how many of the cards we just named, Lightning Helix, Searing Meditation, The Land, how many of those were non-creatures? Because there was... They didn't have the same spell, uh, sorcerer instant theme as the is it, but you know, I mean, even in the um, in the lore about them, it talked about you know their class of soul of mage soldiers, and mm-hmm. now I guess just because creatures are the thing, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I'm seeing things like um, the fire main avenger and Boros reckoner, and those are some of the things that stand out to me a little more. Yeah. Well, notice that they also have, especially the ones you mentioned, they have strong spell effects printed on the creatures. True. So why don't we start with the Reckoner, because until we do, you know, it's the Minotaur in the room. It is the big Minotaur in the room. It's, it's, it's almost unfair, I think. <laughs> it, it really is. And there was a while there where this was like the creature to beat, and then people kind of figured out how to play around it. And it dropped in value again a little bit, but it's never completely gone, and you kind of have to expect it. I didn't have to push back after devotion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't have to play against any on Saturday, but I think Mike said that he had to play it in at least that first deck. Yeah, and the last one. And the last one. Because it's just good. We don't really need to say what it does because it's Boros Reckoner, and you should know what it does. You should anyway. It I really first like strike. The, <laughs> I really like the Fireman Avenger. It's because it's not quite, right. <laughs> yeah, it's great stuff. 
So this is like the thing you don't want them to have ever. Limited. Like I will let you have three lightning helixes over a freaking fireman adventure. <laughs> Maybe want, even six. I once did a draft where my my first round opponent had two of these things. <sighs> I kid you not. It was actually a miserable experience. I I hate to even say that because I usually don't like to decry what other people get, but jeez, was it miserable. So, yeah, it's it's a 3-3 flyer for two red and a white. So a 3-3 flyer for four is already pretty good. It's worse than Restoration Age. And then the battalion is a lightning helix. And you're like, come on, dude. Really? Like, <laughs> I snatched one of these from an opponent once with some spell. And attacked with three guys, and I used the uh, lightning helix to kill itself. Yeah. So you didn't have to deal with it anymore. So I didn't have to deal with it anymore. I was like, you know what? These this one, these two are gonna attack. It's gonna uh, helix itself here. He's like, well, I didn't take any damage. Good. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that because the one time I didn't do that, this thing it just killed. And I was like, I'm gonna get you to one, then I'm gonna win. And he's like, I'm gonna gain three. And I was like. I'll win next turn. He's like, you're dead? I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, Chewie, remember when you had two spark troopers in your pre-release pool? God, a mighty spark trooper is amazing. That was dumb as hell. <laughs> and he doesn't like to decry what other people get, but it was dumb as hell. That's pretty bad. Yeah. You just think, oh, good. I, you know, I've dealt with it. I've, I've lived. You know, I'm, I'm still good. And down comes the other one. You're like, ah. Uh. Yep. It's a ball lightning with lifelink, and that's all you need to know. And the very rare occasion where you can play a Boros charm on it, um, just, just, wow. just. That is the worst. I don't think I ever managed to do, did I? I think, no, I don't think I had any Boros charms. Yeah. Well, we can't talk about lightning helix without talking about war leader's helix. Yeah, it's lightning helix, uh, light? Heavy? What? It, uh, Probably heavy. Version two? <laughs> they well, they they finally the making this cost four for four damage and four life is them finally admitting that lightning helix was too good. Yeah, several people were well, like, I don't think it's finally. I think they knew. <laughs> um, several several people when this was printed were like, this should cost three because the original only cost two and da da da. And, and I then hope I all think, those people got punched. I think we have all figured out that. This is probably as correct as we're gonna get on this. Yeah. Okay. You remember that scene from the Avengers when uh Hulk and Thor are in like Grand Central or something and all this stuff just happened and they're standing there going <sighs> and Hulk just wham and slugs him. That's what should have yeah. happened to anyone who said, Oh, this should only cost three. Just BAM What are you high? Yeah, four's fine. Four is good. Four is good. Ooh, ooh, ooh. While we're on non-creatures, what about, uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. Oh, Assemble the Legion. Glow. Oh. <laughs> Assemble the Legion. So cool. Mike and I were talking about this one, and... Oh, it, that's right. My last round opponent, he had Assemble the Legion in his deck. That was one of the reasons why I ended Game 2 on just one life. And that was one of the reasons that I lost Game 3. Like, Game 3 ended after he was finally able to get through by attacking me with 12 soldier tokens. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, that's terrible. <laughs> my my first impression when we previewed this card was, wow, I really like the flavor. I think it's really great. It just feels like it's a little too slow because five mana, and then you have to wait a whole turn before you get any. And at that point, you know, one isn't doing a whole lot. Obviously, if you make it last any longer than that and they haven't disenchanted it, then you're good. But I thought it's just too slow. And I will freely admit I was wrong because this card has seen all sorts of competitive play. It's not like necessarily the best card, but it, it's interesting. It actually shows up in a lot of control it's a matches. Control deck, yeah. Yeah, control it, deck. I mean, it, it is too slow for a conventional aggro deck, but that's, yeah. but that's not what it's for. It's, it's just right for mid-ranger control. Right. Essentially, but, it's a really slow-acting Elspeth that gets more out of control. Like, Elspeth gets out of control quick, but this thing, it's sort of innocuous. Like Brian said, you have to wait a whole turn, and you only get one. Yeah, but then they get two, and then they get three. Then you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, after that, it just turns into a complete disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Elspeth's so yeah, this... over there going, you know, I like that symbol of the Legion. I wish I could do that. <laughs> Hey guys, get over here. We're having an assembly. Hmm. We've talked about several of these others in the, in various contexts. Mm. Um, Boris Charm is broken. Boris Charm's good. Yeah. Did I say I broken? Kinda, I meant I meant bent. I kind of like Blaze Commando in a deck with Young Power Mancer. I don't know what Blaze Commando does. Oh yeah. Blaze Commando's pretty cool. I need to. I have one deck in particular that I, I think I need to add a couple copies of him too. Aurelius Fury was going to be like the best X spell ever and hasn't really lit the world on fire. Yeah, I what will, happens in Aurelius Fury? I mean, it's an, it's it an just, instant rolling thunder. I thought that would be good at least. I will tell you, um, in my green and red monsters deck, I actually splashed white for two copies of Aurelia's Fury for most of the time I was testing it. And then uh, the day before the tournament, I just said, you know, this, I really just want a fourth Magma Jet and a second, um, a second Domri Rod, because yes, I only owned one. I knew Mike could loan me one, but I was only trying it with one. But as soon as I took these out, changed out, I had some shock lands for the white, I changed them into some Gruel Guild Gates and like a mountain, uh, and another Magma Jet and the Domri, the deck, I already thought that it was doing pretty well. And I liked, you know me, I like to be innovative. And I kind of liked, okay, here's something where if I've got Gyre Sages on three or four counters, I can use up this extra mana for something. And I can get in there, tap all their guys and, and swing and finish things out. It was never as good as I wanted it to be. It was never as good as I really even needed it to be, honestly. In my deck. So I took him out. Are they, is this still a really good card? I believe so. But I just don't know if it's got a place. I don't understand. Like, you'd think a deck that could play Assemble the Legion would play the hell out of some Aurelius Fury. Mm, yeah. At least throw one in. Cause if you can have five mana to throw out something that does nothing right now, surely you can have, you know, enough to do a four or five point Aurelius Fury later. And perhaps it's a, it's just the fact that it didn't do anything right away and, People have kind of forgotten about it to to some extent. 
they've, you know, people have moved on to Theros and thought about those cards. And then when you're thinking about devotion, you're thinking more about permanence and, you know, how do you increase your, your count that way. So this might just be under the radar for now. Maybe. Quick, what does the scanner say about its power? Uh, it, it's X. Okay. <laughs> it's 6,001. Take his ass, Brian. Dang it, man. <laughs> Woo. I was gonna make it dragon. Oh crap, I messed it up. Sorry. You, you totally <laughs> did. I was, I like, was yeah. wondering, I was like, alright, I'll just let it go. I was gonna make some joke about like a dragon radar and I decided, no, scanners are always just funnier. Cause they're scanners. They might even be scouters. I yeah, really like, uh, towering I'm tired. Thund- it's after nine o'clock. Yeah, really. I really like Towering Thunderfist, but just cause of his name. I mean, yeah, yeah it's alright. I, I had a few in my pre-release pool and I ended up taking him out after the first round cause. Uh, yeah. yeah. But he's got the greatest name. Yeah. I really want a Gleam of Battle also for my Johan deck. That's a good one to have. That's, that's a good card. Legion's Initiative is good, but it's kind of, it's, again, it, it's such a specific role player that you really only get maximum value when you've got guys that are red and white. I mean, it's it's a two-mana anthem, so... It's a two-mana anthem, but, yeah, it's just... It's not, like, crazy good or anything. Yeah, and it dodges Supreme Verdict, but, you know, whatever. Uh, the- it seems like there's a lot fewer, like, standout, oh-my-God cards in the new... Boros. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. resonate as well. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think they did a good, very good job with it, don't get me wrong, but there's, you're right, there's no, wow, that's Lightning Helix, oh, wow, that's Razia, that this is, you know, there's not as many, like, iconic things. Iconic, there's, that's the word I was looking for. There's a crotch to the face, and that's <laughs> a poor representation of a card that we already had. So, all of this feels really solid, Without feeling spectacular. Yeah. Like, Boros Reckoner is really good, and Frontline Medic is really good, and uh, Assemble the Legion is really good, but none of them are like, holy crap good. They're just really good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I read Boros Charm the first time, that one I holy crapped. That's pretty close, yeah. Because, you know, it's either uh, two shocks at a time, or... It ducks, uh, like a wrath, or you give a dude double strike, well, hopefully that means you win, or, you know, you, you, it's a removal spell, essentially, you know. But, that was just based on what was going on in the meta at the time. By itself, it's still really good, but it's not holy crap good anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think old Ravnica wins the, the everything else round. Yeah, I but, agree with that. But sadly, it's still, what, 3-2? Yeah, <laughs> I think so, yeah. Oh, well. Well, as I said at the very beginning when we started to talk about mechanics, I, I think that this set, even if there aren't as many spectacular cards, is probably better designed overall. And so you're going to see that that solid, you know, maybe not quite as exciting, but still all of these are good cards sort of feel. So, yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. And there are, there are a handful of these that I really wish I had some. Like, the I already the mentioned, old one. uh, the new one. I already mentioned Gleam of Battle and Aurelia. Uh, I'm pretty sure, there's something else. I can hook you up with some Gleams of Battle. When I open that box of Dragon's Maze, I got several of them. A word? Cause I, well, I only need one, cause it's for Johan, but still. I can hook you up with a Gleam of Battle. Oh, that's banging then. Let's make that happen sometime. 
Because oddly enough, well, I'll say that for a final thought. Never mind. Shall we go to final thoughts? Sure. I guess final so. thoughts, Mike. Um, final thoughts. Even even though I uh, I didn't do as well as I would have liked at the at the classic, and my deck didn't do as well as as I would have um, liked for it to do. I'm so glad that I went, and then I took the time to hang out with Brian. Um, I am not glad that Brian had to pay fifteen dollars for parking because that sucks. <laughs> But other than that, um, I had a good day doing that. I'll probably I'll probably take another break from sanctioned events for at least a, a little while. Uh, the novelty of the Maze Zen deck kind of wore off, and I don't know if I'm going to try to play any more modern with my other deck, even though I only really played in one event. Um, I think because it was only three rounds and I didn't do well, I just ended up with a, well, that was stupid kind of feeling after I was done. Um <laughs> But I, yeah, I don't know. At first I was pretty certain that I wouldn't bother trying to change the Mazes End deck into a permanent 60 card deck. But then I thought about other things that I could do to make it just easier, uh, to, to play. Like, when it's a casual deck, then I can play things like Lightning Helix and Source to Plowshares and, um, that enchantment from, uh, from Future Sight, that's like uh, that's like a howling mine and an exploration. Yeah. Um. Oh. Um. Uh, yeah. I see it. Uh. Verdant. Uh, no. Something. No. Um. Rights well, you of know Spring. Oh, Rights of Spring. That's yeah. not right. No, that's not right. That's an old. Rights of card. Flourishing. Flourishing. Right there, we flourishing. There, there we go. There we go. Thanks. Yeah. So maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I'll, get there. I'll, I'll I'll just have to think about it. And also, I don't know how long I would like to keep a deck that. Just wins in a oh you couldn't stop me kind of way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll just have to think about it some more. Yeah. Well, how about you, B? Well, I also had a good time. I was slightly disappointed with how I did, just because I had put some time and energy into building the deck. I had traded a significant number of things to get what I had because I I, I told Mike I did not want this to be. Um, an experience where I had to play what I felt was a suboptimal deck because I just didn't have the resources. Like I could, uh, I didn't want to have to play something where I should have been able to play planeswalkers and this and that and the other. Like if if four storm breath dragons was going to be the optimal build for the deck, I didn't want to play two because I couldn't get two. So I really traded quite a bit to Lucky before he were you know quote unquote retired. And to uh, gaming underground and things for trade, so I was slightly disappointed to not do better. Uh, but overall, I'm really glad that I went. I am extremely glad that Mike went because I would have been probably miserable. There is a small part of me that, well, slightly smaller, slightly bigger than small, but not huge part of me. <laughs> uh, if you follow that, that about yay little, big, about yay big. Uh, there, there is a part of me. That is sad that I will not be able to compete this coming weekend at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. I hear it's a good show. Great uh, show. You should check it out. I, I, yeah, you should check it out. Um, you can tell I'm getting tired because it's a show. But I, I am disappointed that I won't be able to play but because I love Sealed and Theros. It, they did such a good job. I, I will never say anything bad about Theros Sealed ever, probably. I've um, drafted it fair amount and I've played sealed uh and I I just really really enjoy it and if I had the chance to go I w- I would go in a heartbeat um I encourage anybody that's in the area well 
it's done by this point, isn't it? I hope everyone that went had a really good time. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm very glad that I went, and I am extremely glad that Mike went. And I'm looking forward to seeing these guys again in a more casual uh, setting and playing some more Magic. Sweet. Well, my final thought is, oddly enough, so I bought, uh, I found the all five of the Commander decks at Target on day one for MSRP, which is twenty nine ninety nine. And so I saw them and I went, huh, and bought them all, because that's why I went. Like, I went for lunch. I'm like, oh, look at this, Target. Hey, look, Commander. Boop. Hey, twenty nine ninety nine. Give me this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. Is that five? That's five. Yeah, that's five. I was counting. Thank you. And give me five soft drinks, because right before I left, I was like, anybody want anything? I'm running to Target real quick. They're like, yeah, bring me back a soda. Yeah, I need two Diet Mountain Dews. Can I get a Coke? Oh, son of a bitch. But Because I had to get me one, so that's five. Who wants two Diet Mountain Dews? That boy has problems. But anyway. Ugh. Wow, that's one person? Yeah, that's one person. He drinks are about they, four a day. But anyway. still alive? Only barely. <laughs> okay. But, uh. So you picked him up. I picked him up, and, oh, a uh, quick shout-out for the help last episode from uh, Samantha Baker and from mm-hmm. Kilroy and from Beach, uh, Daniel Morgan, for uh, helping us get that together and make it awesome. But Beach sent me a message because I tweeted, hey, look what I got. I got these MSRP Day 1 screw price gougers, and that caused this storm of responses and whatnot, and that was fun, but... Uh, Beach sent me a text. He's like, so now that you got your commander decks, what are you going to do? And I thought about it for a minute, and I said, probably lament the loss of 150 freaking dollars, because what in the hell am I going to do with these things? I just have them. Good for me. And then the next night... Because you can turn them back into money later? I don't know. I don't know. But the next night, Brian was like, hey, you want to come over and play commander? And I was sitting there on my couch, playing Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions at the time. And I was like, because eh. I was comfy, I hadn't showered... <laughs> like I was, I was taking the day off. I was doing uh, little to no work that day. I was like, eh, I really don't want to. <laughs> so that's why the show isn't up. It's like, is that? Yeah, yeah, that is why. Because I took, <laughs> I took a day off. Pardon me. But uh, <laughs> back to work. I, uh, I think I posted some shows after I left Brian's, but you know, it wasn't three hundred. But I, uh, I got. Like Brian was like, you want to come over? And I was like. Eh. Because uh, I didn't go with him because, one, I was exhausted from uh, the work week, and two, my back hurt. I hurt my back. I tweaked a muscle or something on Friday, reaching up over my head and then twisting wrong like an idiot. By the way, don't do that, you idiot. Okay, sorry. And uh so I knew that riding up there in, in a car, in Brian's car, so probably in the back seat because they would be playing, so they'd be up front. Uh And then... Like wandering around and sitting and standing and whatnot for however many hours was gonna suck. So I, I decided not to go. So I'm sitting there on the couch, playing my game, not working, not doing anything, just enjoying being a bum for once. And Brian calls. He's like, hey, we're gonna leave Charlotte. You wanna come play Commander with us? And I was like, oh no. Really well, you know what? Yeah, I do. And I jumped up and, and, you know, I got cleaned up and found my Commander decks, which actually took a fair amount of time. Turns out they were still in the little bag that I carried them all in the last time we got together. Uh, duh. You'd think I would have figured that out sooner. <laughs> but I get there, and I beat them to Brian's house. That was weird. Carrie answered the door, and she was like, hey. Like, did I really beat them here? He's like, yup. But I ate my subway that Mike was good enough to buy for me. I owe you for that, by the way. And 
then we broke out the commander decks and we just we just played two games, just the three of us. It was not a big deal. And that got my mind right. I was like, you know what? I need to make some changes to these decks. You know what? I think I'm gonna build a new one or two or three. And earlier that day I had actually sent uh Jonathan Richmond, Norbert88 on Twitter, uh, a link to my bird deck, the article I wrote about my bird deck, because he was going to build a bird tribal EDH deck. I said, well, here's my 60-card bird deck, you know, in, in case there's some, you can get some ideas from there. And I still had the link on my phone, so while I was, <clears throat> you know, in the bathroom, because a, a poop without a smartphone is a poop wasted. I didn't know that until I had a smartphone. I, I still had the link open on my phone, so I just read that article, and I was like, wow, that was that was not good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I was like, I wonder if I got better. And I sat there, well, not there, but over the course of the night, I read all of my 60-card challenge articles. And I was like, damn, those are good. <laughs> <laughs> I miss, one, I miss writing. I don't have freaking time anymore. I know the feeling, yeah. If MTG Cast doesn't do something soon, I'm going to have lots of free time, whether they like it or not. Yeah, I said uh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said what happened it. happened to that uh, rolling out all their... Yeah, deal November first. Yeah, it's the sixth when we're recording this. Guess what? I'm still working for free like a slave. But anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, between reading all my old articles and getting back into the wow, I used to really enjoy this, and then playing with the guys, and I have these new decks. I'm like, you know what? This is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna get my brain right. I'm gonna get back into it. And it's amazing how something as simple as playing two games of Commander with some friends just completely yeah. swayed me. And I'm all excited to have that I spent the massive $150, Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah. So thank you, Brian, for the invite. <laughs> You're more than welcome. I'm glad that we were able to do it since uh, I enjoyed going. Uh, I really did, and I'm glad that we did. But I also really enjoyed just playing Commander. So, excellent. I'm glad I'm glad it was useful to uh, uh, to you as well and that it was the highlight of your day. Yeah, because... Yeah, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions is cool, but not that cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm really hoping to get my brain back into, like, maybe not deck building mode right off, but deck editing mode. And then, you know, maybe do some more writing. I still have some 60-card challenge articles to write, but I kind of doubt I'll ever get back to them. Because I don't know where my notes are, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it's while just, we're while we're being just, honest about things. Start over. I... Yeah, eat my butt. That's the whole, they're already all 60 cards. That was the point. <laughs> oh. But, uh, I'll track them down there somewhere. But yeah, that's, that's all. Like, there's no great revelation there. I just, I'm really glad that I came, I, I read those articles and then I came to play with you guys, cause those two things put together, most of the playing with you guys, uh, cemented the fact that, you know what, I have been without magic, like actual magic for far too long. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one thing that I enjoy, I love it. I must, cause I do two podcasts a week about it and I post everybody else's podcasts a week yeah. about it. But it, it's one thing to like talk about. It's another thing to actually get in there and get your hands in it and, and play with it. Yeah, so the whole, I don't play magic. That joke is getting old and I know it's getting old for the listeners, but it's freaking true. I don't play mm-hmm. magic anymore and that's going to change, damn it. So, yeah. Pretty sweet. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, so I think with that we should probably kill it so Brian can go to bed because I think he's about it gone anyway. Yay. Yeah, and I gotta get 300 up. So, hope you guys enjoyed 300. Let us know what you, what you didn't like. Cause we know what you did like. Oh yeah, we know. But, <laughs> and, and that's gross. And that's gross. And racist. <laughs> <laughs> we know your wants, your needs, your desires. Yes, lamentations of your women. No, wait. That's that other thing. <laughs> anyway, so, this has been episode 301. 
Oh, yeah. It feels good to say that. Oh, the mana pool. Don't forget to go to cardshark.com. All of our uh, contact information is in the show notes for every episode. And we'll leave you, as always, with a little bit of Diamond by Swift. So thank you all very much for listening. And uh, go play some magic.